Hold on, Angel, can you hear that in the background? A little, yeah. Alright, I'm gonna wait till it's done. It's the roommate that lives here is making a shake. For a second, I'm like, wait, are those bees? <laughs> yes, evil bees are coming into my podcast. Prepare for trouble! Make it double! We're gonna fly over polar bears and see them and look at them and be with the polar bears! Yes! <laughs> No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Everyone wants some magical solution for their problem, and everyone refuses to believe in magic. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Molnax, talking like a man and fangirling like a lady since 2010. Frighten people. Give me a Dalek any day. Warning, there are a lot of spoilers in this episode. Not only do we talk about Iron Man 3, we also talk about the upcoming projects in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, such as Captain America, Thor 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. We have spoilers for all of those. We talk about Phase 3. We also cover Marvel's Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the new cartoon Avengers Assemble. We talk about the entire plotline of DC's Kingdom Come from beginning to end, and we compare it to Civil War and a bunch of other stuff. So if you don't want to be spoiled on upcoming projects, I suggest you don't listen to this episode. Enjoy! Hi everyone! Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope of All Trades. I'm your host, Hope Molinax, and I have a really exciting show for you today. I have one of my best friends in the world. She is the Bruce to my Tony, and we're science bros together. And it is my friend, Angel! Say hi, Angel! Hi! So what's up? How are you doing? Uh, nothing much. I actually just finished finals, so I'm off for the summer. Yay! Yay! I'm so proud of you. She's so super smart. I'm not that smart. I just try. (laughs) (laughs) And that's important. Because there were definitely times where I didn't try in college, and it showed. (laughs) I actually mostly BS'd my way through some of the stuff. Because, like, for a couple of the classes I didn't read, I'm a bad student. (laughs) No, you're not. Oh, I also have to say in this podcast, I'm eating my lunch while I do it, or else I won't have time to eat lunch. So forgive me if I sound like this. It's okay. Just a quick note before we start, because today we're talking about Iron Man 3 and the future of the Marvel franchise. We have switched over to a new website. And it's very important that any of your favorite shows on the website... When you go to the new website and you resubscribe, because if you're subscribed to any of the show on the Libsyn site, you're not going to get your new episodes anymore. I think this Monday's Star Wars Monthly Monday is going to be the last show we put up on Libsyn. So make sure you go to the new website. It's twotruefreaks.com, and you can do one of two things. You can either click on subscribe to Two True Freaks, and that will give you all the shows. Or you can go to the individual page and subscribe to the shows separately. And we're all also going to be on iTunes. Angel, I'm on iTunes for the first time. Oh, awesome. I'm excited about that. I um, can imagine. Oh, God. I, I saw that. The only thing is it still has, like, the description of Two True Freaks on there. So it's like, Scott and Chris talk about nerd stuff. And I'm like, but my name's Hope. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have my picture up yet. So, well, if you want to find me on iTunes, you have to search Two True Freaks Presents Hope of All Trades. Because the old Hope of All Trades from the Libsyn site is still up there. That's the old one. Don't subscribe to that one. 
And, you know, if you like what I do, leave me a review and a rating and stuff like that, because that really helps us and helps people find our podcast. Yes. Oh, I just stabbed myself with a pen. So, and, and final note is, this show's going to have spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled for Iron Man 3, I highly suggest you just don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Basically, any time that you do a podcast, it has major spoilers, so. Pretty much. All right, so let's get down to business and defeat the Huns. <laughs> what did you think about Iron Man 3? I really liked it. It was a good movie, and it was really funny. Like, I had expected, based on the trailers, for it to be, like, a darker movie, and it kind of definitely was, like, more dark than Iron Man 2, for example, but it was, it still had that funniness to it that I really enjoyed. I had the exact same impression, because I was going into it thinking it was going to be, like, really dark. The trailers made it seem like it was going to be, like, Tony's spiral into madness or something. Yeah, it kind of seemed like, you know, Marvel is going to rip out your heart and force you to cry rivers of tears. It was really funny. The one-liners were so great, and I have to wonder how much was in the script and how much was actor-generated, because I was reading somewhere that a lot of times Robert Downey Jr. just talks and just keeps talking, and he doesn't stop filming. That's because Robert Downey Jr. has lost the ability to tell the difference between himself and Tony Stark. <laughs> yes. I, I was actually, was it Entertainment Weekly? I have the awesome Entertainment Weekly from last week, which is a great review of Iron Man and talking about it. And I then, haven't read it. Oh, it's so good. You better get it now because Friday is the new issue and it's not going to be Iron Man 3 anymore. Um, but you might could find a few like back issues and stuff. But they were talking somewhere, here it is, uh, about how Robert Downey <coughs> Jr. doesn't like... Uh, <coughs> to, to uh, cut after stunts and stuff like that because uh-huh. he wants to have his re- initial reactor in, at reaction in character. And so what happened one time was uh, he told the film crew, like, whatever you do, don't cut. Like, just don't cut. Oh. And it says, Downey is notorious for keeping the camera running to capture improvisations. This time, though, it went horribly wrong. I did the jump and busted my ankle, he recalls, and I couldn't even scream. I was in such pain. He pretends to writhe in his chair and pulling his leg up and groaning. I look over, and the camera operator is thinking, he said don't cut, right? This is um, a very interesting improv he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he talked about that on, I forget what interview it was, but it was on, like, a talk show, and he mentioned that. Yeah, so that's why... It, the one-liners, I wonder how much was him and the other actors and how much was actually scripted. Well, I mean, you do know, like, with Avengers, like, half of what he says in there is completely improv. And the blueberries. Yeah, blueberries are completely him because he just put them there when for when he was hungry. Yeah, if you don't know about that, uh, dear listeners, Robert Downey Jr. likes to hide food around the set. So that one scene where he has blueberries and he's talking to Bruce and Captain, that uh, those weren't actually scripted. Those are his actual snacks. And he would just pull them out and start eating them while filming. <laughs> and what's great is that it's kind of in character. It really is. Especially it's like it, it has been set up that he loves food. Like you want an American cheeseburger or he got donuts. So my one thing about the one-liners that I didn't like, though, is there are times where I felt like there were too many. Like, I, I kind of like the one-liners, and it's definitely more in Tony Stark's character to use humor to back up almost, like, a lot of things. Like, 
at least when parts were like completely serious, like when he was fighting Killian, that like had limited one-liners, which was pretty good. And it wasn't just Tony, it was like everybody was one-lining up, snarking up a storm. There was a few times, though, where I really wanted to have that emotional moment sink in. Like, really have, like, see that affect the character, and then they just snarked it away. That's true, like, because I remember watching the movie because I went to the 9 o'clock premiere of it on Thursday. (laughs) I even got an Iron Man shirt out of it. We didn't get any cool stuff. That's bullshit. It was 20 bucks. Really? Yeah, I wear it as a night shirt, so. <laughs> I got mine from Hot Topic, but I worked there and I got a discount, so. <laughs> right. So, anyway, as I was saying, it was when we first meet Harley and he's talking to Tony about his family and stuff, and he mentioned something about his dad about like winning the lottery or something. I forgot what it was because it's been a while since I saw the movie. And he's like, huh, well, I guess he must have won because he hasn't come back. And everyone in the theater laughs, and I find myself laughing, but then I catch myself and like, no, wait, that's sad. I'm not supposed to be laughing at this. I think some of them were good because, you know, I it's not really... It is and it isn't in Tony's character to kind of have the kind of more human moments. But at the same time, I really wanted them to dive into his PTSD. See, I kind of like how they showed his PTSD or his anxiety or whatever. I did too. I just wanted one scene where they talked about it. Just one. Nothing too know. big. Because anything too big would have slowed down the pace of the film. And it was a relatively short film. I think it was only like right at two hours, like a little over. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was Lord of the Rings, which is like 12 hours long. I have not seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies or The Hobbit. Angel. I know. Okay, watch the the, the Lord of the Rings before The Hobbit, because there's a lot of Lord of the Rings references in The Hobbit. The Martin Freeman is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will take that into account. And see the extended versions. It takes longer, but it's so much better. It's one of those where if you watch the extended versions and you go back and watch the original, like, theatrical cuts, you're just like, I don't even know, I just... No, I. This scene's supposed to be there. Why aren't they talking about this? Okay. But it's a marathon. <laughs> be ready for it. Oh. But uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, PTSD. We were talk- yeah, we were talking about Tony's PTSD. But you do see some of those human moments, like when he has those panic attacks. And the one thing that bugged me so much is when he's talking to Harley. They had just gone to the site where that extremist guy blew up. And Harley's talking about, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of like a portal or a wormhole and stuff. And basically triggers a panic attack for Tony. And I'm like, why would you do that? The, that was the one, that was the spot where I was hoping Tony would talk about it. I didn't see, I couldn't see him talking with it about Pepper or with Rhodey because that would worry his friends. But children are amazingly insightful. And That's true. that would be the one time I was hoping he would talk about it. And he would talk about it with, uh, with Hurley. Is it Hurley or Har- Harley? Harley. Um, and he would talk about it with Harley. And the kid would just be like, well, yeah, it happened get up and move on, you know, you have to save the world, and, like, pretty much put Tony back on the right path to start getting over it. Like, I do like the line how it's like, you're a mechanic or something, right? Then make something or build something. (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then he does his super badass secret agent stuff. Yeah, because who knew that Tony could do that? (laughs) 
But anyway, back to the PTSD thing. Like, he kind of talks about it, like, a little bit with Pepper. Like, when Pepper tells him that his suits and tech are just distractions, which is completely true, because if you have horrible, terrible memories of something, you kind of want to avoid anything that will bring back those memories. It also shows that he has horrible nightmares, like, to the point where he ends up unconsciously calling his armor and also, as I said, like the panic attacks and the time where he draws like on that girl's picture, like, Aaron, help me. I have to say, this is a total side note, and then I'll come back to it. I'm really <laughs> happy they didn't do the storyline where the armor, quote unquote, fell in love with Tony and was like trying to kill Pepper. I'm just so that, happy they didn't do that because that would have been really weird. That would have been really creepy. So creepy. Yeah, because I'm, 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 I know a lot of people were fearing that. They would do that one when they heard that they were doing extremists and all that. Yeah, I also like how they did extremists. It was different. I'm on the fence about that. I'll come back to that. Extremists. As a psychology major, because that's what you are, and that was a big reason why I wanted to definitely have you on the show, and also you're one of my best friends, and I knew you would talk about with this about... I can't talk. (laughs) How to English. How successful do you think that they portrayed his PTSD? To me, I think that they did, like, a pretty good job with it. Like, it was subtle, I guess, would be the correct term for it. Because he does have the re-experiencing things, like, through nightmares and flashbacks. And he does have certain triggers, I guess, that cause him to feel that anxiety. Do you think they did an A-OK job on it? I think they did. But as you said, you kind of felt like you felt that they should have touched on it more so only just for one scene though anything else would have slowed it down i just and i really wanted to be with harley and that that but i mean maybe it's a deleted scene <laughs> for all we know maybe that would be cool well let's talk about the awesomeness that was pepper in this movie because there was talks about with paltrow maybe not coming back and they had to rewrite it so she would have a badass moment Right. I really actually like Pepper. I think Marvel does a wonderful job at creating strong female characters. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, like, I really enjoy her interaction with Tony because Pepper does not take Tony's shit. Pepperoni. Oh, my God. They actually know about that. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Tony Jr. I almost called him Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> he is Tony Stark. But anyway. They actually reference pepperoni like in a press conference, I think, and it's like, oh my god, they know. Isn't it always scary when like people know? Yeah, Mark Ruffalo knowing about science bros. Now that's just adorable. I know. But anyway, Pepper and Tony, I do like the pairings. It is one of my favorite canon pairings from the movies. I like how you said canon pairings, because I know it's not your favorite non-canon pairing. <laughs> oh god, no. It does not compare to some of my fanon pairings like stony oh my god otp <laughs> stony if you don't know stony is steve rogers and tony stark mostly it came even before the marvel cinematic universe because in the comic book they're so canon <laughs> <laughs> they're so gay it's, like, a, it's not even in young avengers when you when is it jessica jones i think it is i think it's jessica jones and she looks yeah. up and captain has his arm around tony and tony is like holding him up in the air and they're like like basically hugging in the sky 
And they got yeah. married in one universe, uh, but totally oh, yeah. the girl. They're so domestic in the comics. There's this one thing that I saw, like, on the internet where they ask where Tony and Steve and, like, the rest of the team is. And one of the characters, I want to say that it was Spider-Man, or I don't know who it was, but he's like, well, Cap and Tony are back at home and they're arguing about what to watch on TV because both shows were having premieres. Also, Peter, I think canonly calling, jokingly, Cap and Tony, mom and dad. Oh, I I didn't know that one. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Which makes it all the more tragic when we have Civil War. Ah. You need to read Civil War, it's so good! I don't want my heart ripped out, which is funny, because I watch things like Supernatural and Doctor Who and Sherlock. (laughs) Which rips our heart out every single week. Yes. Carry on my wayward son. And then you cry. Yeah. That's Supernatural for you. I, I liked Pepper in this movie too. The one thing that I wanted to see, actually I had I had two things, but one of them is kind of on the fence thing. Mm-hmm. I was actually hoping that we would get to see Pepper in the suit more and we would see her become Rescue, which is her comic counterpart when she has yeah. her suit, especially um, since it was part of the extremist arc and, and she and I, I didn't know that she recently in the comics destroyed Jarvis. Whoa, 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 what? What, what, what? Oh, I have to pull it back up. Where is it? I just closed it. Let's see if I still have that. I do. Yay. During the 2012 storyline in the future, Potts and someone else who I don't feel like trying to pronounce that name comes to suspect that Jarvis has been compromised and when they attempt to troubleshoot the rescue helmet, Jarvis takes control of the rescue armor and takes Potts hostage. Jarvis is disabled by James Rhodes and his source focused electromagnetic pulses from the black armor and eventually destroyed by Potts, ending her career as rescue. Oh, wow. So she destroys Jarvis. But I'm sure they rebuilt him by now. Actually, I I know they rebuilt him by now because I just got a comic from Free Comic Book Day and Steve was talking to Jarvis in that. But it also is the Marvel Now universe, so it could be slightly different. But anyway, I was hoping to see her in her rescue armor but at the same time i'm kind of glad that they haven't got to that point yet because in the comics doesn't she end up like kind of not liking tony for a while because of the whole rescue armor stuff and everything I have absolutely no clue. I'll be the first to admit that I do not know the Iron Man comics. Before the movie, I had a read-up on Mandarin and Extremis, so I cannot answer that. I heard it in, like, a live stream or something. I can, like, totally spout off Thor comics. No problem. Iron Man comics? <laughs> nope. Well, when we do the Thor 2 review, I'll be good. The other thing I was wanting to see that I'm kind of on the fence about, I like that she had powers at the end of the movie and that she was kick-ass. And part of me wanted her to keep them, and the other part of me didn't. Like, I kind of get what you mean, because it was, like, really cool that she finally got powers. She was always worried about Tony being out there and being Iron Man. And Tony wouldn't have to worry about her anymore. He'd be like, oh, Pepper got kidnapped? She'll be alright. But then at the same time, it's, I don't know, I don't see Pepper, like, having those powers. Like, I mean, I've seen it, but I can't, like, imagine her keeping those powers. She'd be a superhero. It would be her origin story, and then we'd be seeing her fighting in Avengers 2. And that's not really Pepper Potts. No, she's much more of the normal, take-charge female who doesn't need powers in order to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. I, I like and dislike it, um, but it was pretty damn awesome watching her kick Killian's ass. That was an awesome scene. It really was. And I was, like, so... I don't know. I... 
want to say traumatized, but that's not the right word. But I was so upset when she, like, fell off the thing, like, into the fire. And I'm like, oh, God, no, Pepper. I, just the way they played off the scene afterwards, I knew she wasn't dead. Because usually what happens is when a love interest dies, they have a moment where they kind of pause and the hero just has, like, a second and he that they played the emotional music and like, you know, the hair has a moment where they're like tearing up and they're like, no, my love. They didn't have that. She fell and Tony was like, oh, fuck no, I'm gonna kick someone's ass. Like he didn't have that emotional moment. So it didn't trigger to me that she was dead. I guess. And like, I mean, as we remember, she did, she was injected with extremis and we hadn't seen the scene from the trailer where she looks very angry and like she's about to kick someone's ass that is true so it's like okay we know that she's probably gonna come back kicking ass in a sports bra and damn Gwyneth Paltrow has some abs do you also remember like if you've seen it like on tumblr or anything where she's talking about where she had to wear the suit and like she had heard Robert Downey Jr. complain about it so she was kind of like nervous about it but then she put it on and it's like oh he's a wimp (laughs) i hadn't seen that one yet that's okay he's robert downey jr he's tony stark yeah he can whine about anything he wants so how did you feel about roadie in this film i actually liked roadie in the film like roadie is a cool character but i don't really i could have done without then it would have been fine you know because roadie's supposed to be tony's best friend and like his right hand man always there supporting him and i felt that more the first two films but in this one he seemed like he was just an attachment sort of yeah like i mean there are times where it kind of seems like he's there for him again as i said it's been a couple of weeks since i've seen the movie so i don't remember like much same (laughs) (laughs) but like i mean it's more like but it's more of someone for tony to snark with and the whole iron patriot thing like he needed to be there for there to be a way to trick and get to the president that's how i felt too if they completely pulled all the roadie stuff out of the movie there was still like 42 suits for killian to tap into and he did and he did it through jarvis and that's how he was able to get roadie's suit so it could have been any of the suits it just happened to be roadie's and also, I'm very upset about the Iron Patriot thing. It's not as cool. Yeah, especially since... Okay, here's a little bit of knowledge, because I pointed this out to everybody in my store. A hot oh, topic about, about uh, Iron Patriot and Norman Osborn? Yeah, that Norman Osborn is the one who created Iron Patriot because he stole the tech from Tony and then painted it like Captain America. Dear listeners, want to know, that was during the Dark Reign arc, where Norman Osborn kicked out all the Avengers, replaced them all with bad guys, and then led it to the Siege arc where they were invading Asgard on Earth. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because in our store at Hot Topic, we sell that shirt, and when people come in and I'm like, do you want a Green Goblin shirt? And they just stare <laughs> at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Because I know it's Norman Osborn because it's the art. Actually, the exact same art on this shirt that's from, like, one of the comics. Really? Yeah. And so, like, when I stared at it, like, when I first saw the shirt, I looked at it for a few minutes and I went... I own that comic. That's the Green Goblin. That's not, that's not Rhodey. <laughs> like, I, I had to, like, look at it long and hard, and I was like, yep, I own that comic. Okay, like, go to work. Like, to me, Rhodey will always be War Machine, and I do like how they played that, like, with his password and username. I know. I Do you think that we'll go back to War Machine, like, if Rhodey comes up in future films? I really do hope so, because, I don't know, we already have one patriotic superhero. Mm-hmm. I was reading in Entertainment Weekly that they're talking about Rhodey possibly being an Iron Man and uh, Captain America too. Oh my god! 
god, yay! They're talking about it. I don't know if it's official, but they there's a few little nods about him maybe being there. Let's that would see. Be- so cool. Like, would it just be like a cameo or something, or...? I don't actually know. I think, I kind of think because of the fact that Rhodes fights for the government opposed to, like, fighting with Tony, that it might have to do something with S.H.I.E.L.D., because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s more of a government-based cool guy. Not really cool guy. Uh, I can't talk while I look for this. Shield's more government-based, so I think if it's anything, it'd be him stepping in, helping out S.H.I.E.L.D. on government orders. That would make sense. Like I said, I don't think it's official or anything. It's just talking about it. Rumors. It was on Wikipedia. Why am I even looking there? (laughs) (laughs) And if it's on Wikipedia, it's completely right. Not yes, good. because Wikipedia has been known to be the best resource for information. Man, Wikipedia is awesome because they always have, if if you go to Wikipedia and then go to the links where they actually pulled the source from, you have your source. Like, I don't see why teachers don't teach that. Go to Wikipedia, get the general idea, and then follow the sources to the actual source, and then quote that source. I mean, it's so easy. I had to I mean, teach me how to use Wikipedia. I'm actually on Wikipedia right now. I have like three things of Wikipedia like pulled up. Me too, because I know we're eventually talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know nothing of. All I know is that like one of them is a tree, the other is a raccoon. And we only know that from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is an amazing cartoon, by the way. Like, I don't care if you're an adult. You should still watch it if you're a fan of Avengers. Earth's Mightiest Heroes is so freaking good. I still need to finish it. I have, like, three episodes from finishing in the se- season two. You haven't finished it yet? No. <laughs> I lost track of time, and I don't actually remember where I left off. And the thing is, is, like, it's your fault. <laughs> My fault. It's your fault because since when we, and this is another reason why I haven't watched Losers yet. Because like when I actually want to watch something, I want to watch something, and I usually do it at night. And most nights I'm role playing with you, and I don't want to be distracted because I don't want to have to pause it right to you and then like go back and watch it again. <laughs> so it's your fault. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm not you. Well, I know that. That would be just weird. Uh, Cheetah told. In an April 2013 interview, Don Cheadle mentioned the possibility of James Rhodes appearing in Captain America the Winter Soldier and the Avengers sequel. Cheadle told Empire Magazine that Iron Man 3 could be the final film in the series. Oh, no, that's just talking about stuff. But yeah, we could possibly see Rhodes in Captain America 2 and the Avengers sequel. That would be awesome. I like it too. So, what do you think about that Mandarin twist? I actually like the Mandarin twist. Again, like, Marvel Cinematic Universe has separated itself from the Marvel 616. Like, they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they may definitely pull ideas from it. Like, for example, the extremists, but they make it their own. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's just an interesting take, and it shows that not everything is as it appears to be. And that when we see something, we just automatically make assumptions based on what we know. I think it was a good twist, because I, I know when... Oh, what's his name? What's his butt? Where's your butt? <laughs> Ben Kingsley was casted as being the Mandarin. A lot of people were mad because he was, you know, a British white guy, mm-hmm. not not Asian. And a lot of people were like, wait a second, what the hell is going on? And I'm glad that they explained it. Because I've, I've heard most people say, if, if they liked it, they were like, oh, okay, I can see why that we're not mad anymore. Yeah, like a lot of fans got mad about the Mandarin thing. And it's like, well, guys, Marvel Cinematic Universe is not the same as the comic 
comic book. For example, the Ten Rings from Iron Man 1. Mm -hmm. In the comics, the Ten Rings are literally just ten rings that the Mandarin has. So, like, they couldn't do that for Iron Man 3 because for the cinematic universe, the Ten Rings were a terrorist group. I will say I was, it left me a little bit confused because, like I said, I don't know the Iron Man comics really well. So beforehand, I read up on Mandarin, on the on, on extremists, because I didn't really know what these things were. And so there was a moment in the theaters where, it's not that it was a bad thing, but I was just really confused. Because <laughs> I was like, this is nothing that I read. And it took me a few minutes to figure it out, and once I got on track, I was fine, and I liked the change. But I can definitely see why a lot of comic book purists are really mad. I know. But then again, cinematic universe is a different universe than 616. Feel like a broken record here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're fine. The Trevor was hilarious. Like, once we figured out that the Mandarin was Trevor, his interaction with Tony and with uh, Rhodey are some one of my favorite parts of that movie. Oh my god, those scenes were so amazing. Like, Tony and Rhodey are just like, what the hell is this? And Trevor, he's just, I don't know, he's either high or drunk or both. I think they said in the film that, like, they provided him heavy drugs. Like, I don't think he actually knew that he was killing people. When he shot that one guy on film, when the president called him, uh -huh. I think he probably believed there were blanks in that gun, and that was an actor in a special effect. I don't think he actually fully was aware that he was killing people. He actually mentioned that. He's like, oh, no, that's not happening. It's just all special effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, he fell asleep during his conversation with Tony, I think, <laughs> like, halfway through. I like the twist, especially since at that point, Killian hadn't really made an impact on me. So I kind of knew Killian was up to something, especially, like, when he was first introduced, and he's like, oh, I'm from Advanced Idea Mechanic. From the trailer, <laughs> when I saw, caught glimpses at Killian, I thought it was Justin Hammer, and I was really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, uh, Justin Hammer's back! I love Justin Hammer, so I was sitting there the entire movie going, where's Justin Hammer? <laughs> and then I was really sad, because it wasn't Justin Hammer. They just stopped getting blonde villains, because they all look alike. And they all wear tan suits, because in Iron Man 2, Hammer was wearing a tan suit, and then Killian was wearing a tan suit. They all dress the same. If you're a bad guy in Iron Man, you wear a tan. Are you okay over there? <laughs> I think I killed Angel. I'm okay, I need to calm down. What happened to you? <laughs> you were talking about the tan suits, and I don't know. It just struck me as funny. <laughs> but it's true, they all wear tan suits. Like, did, did Sane wear a tan suit? I don't know if he did, I can't remember. I think he wore a gray suit, or maybe I'm just thinking about his beard. <laughs> and also what made me laugh was your sadness over the lack of hammer. I loved it, Justin Hammer. I just really wanted to see him like pop up and Tony just be like, damn it. <laughs> I hate this guy. Oh my god, Hammer was he was an interesting villain in Iron Man 2. And that's why I really liked him. Like I hear a lot of people are like don't like Iron Man 2. I actually really enjoy Iron Man 2. I know, it's a good movie. It doesn't have like all the action-y stuff that a lot of people would expect, but it shows like the other half of Tony's life. Now I will say Whiplash as a villain kind of fell a little short on me because I was much more invested in Hammer than I was in Whiplash. I, I would have loved to see Hammer come back and just him and Tony just talking over each other and snarking off and <laughs> and him touching Tony and Tony just kind of like cringes away like he does in that one scene. Like, ew, he's touching me, no. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, but there was one theme that really kept coming up with Killian and with Maya and the Mandarin and with Pepper and Tony and stuff like that. Was this theme, your past ghost will eventually come back to get you. Which yeah. I thought was a really nice theme because that could possibly be a theme for a lot of the movies in the Phase 2 era. Because with Thor 2, we get Malekith coming back from the past. In Captain America 2, we're going to get Bucky coming back. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited about Bucky, even though that means we lost him on once upon a time. <laughs> though, I have to say, this is a total off point. With the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland trailer, they had clips from Hat Trick, which is making me wonder if we're going to be getting Jefferson in Wonderland. Maybe he'll be a guest character. Who knows? Maybe. I have because it's hmm. I would say we'd probably get him in the flashbacks. Anytime I get Sebastian Sand, I'm happy. I'm happy too. God, that man is beautiful, and Jennifer Morrison mm-hmm. is a lucky lady. Oh, Captain America. <laughs> I, I think this is a prominent theme that we're going to be seeing throughout Phase 2. I would say so. Like, I mean, it, it would make the most sense. I, I don't know about Guardians of the Galaxy just because I don't know Guardians of the Galaxy. The first time I ever heard about Guardians of the Galaxy is when they announced it at E3 as being in Phase 2, and I was like, Yay, Iron Man! Yay, Captain America! Yay, Thor! I don't know what the fuck Guardians of the Galaxy is. <laughs> I had to Google it because I had no idea. So Let's I don't see. know if that theme will come back. I assume it probably will. Let's see. All they have so far is the premise for it on Wikipedia. And it says, In space, an American pilot and a group of futuristic ex-cons go on the run with a highly coveted object. I wonder if that's Infinity Gauntlet. Ooh. With Thanos at the end of Avengers, I was thinking they were probably going towards an Infinity Gauntlet, though I've heard for Avengers 3 they might go Civil War. But I think that'd be interesting if they go towards Infinity Gauntlet with Thanos at the end of Avengers. Well, I mean, where is the Infinity Gauntlet? It's in Asgard, right? Mm-hmm. And Loki is working with Thanos, I think. I, I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether or not Loki is working with Thanos. I think maybe Thanos is controlling him. Well, I don't I know mean, if he's aware that he's being controlled. That's kind of what I meant. Like, there's some <laughs> interaction there. There's an interaction there. Like, I don't know if he's working with or for or whatever. But Loki is back in Asgard. Yes, and we know that Thor pretty much frees him. Yes. And then probably hopefully gets him a hairbrush because his hair was cray, girl. It was all cray cray. They apparently they don't got straighteners in jail. Well, I don't know. I like the wavy look. <laughs> I did too. I just wanted to brush his hair and braid it. Though like <laughs> Thor has freaking braids in his hair, so we can't make fun of Loki. <laughs> I noticed like with the Thor two trailer that they had glorious Asgardian locks. <laughs> Blowing in the wind. I remember that post that I made that I think says Asgardian Moss were to make up for cutting Jared Padalecki's hair for Supernatural. We lost the moose mane. We lost the moose mane, but we got Asgardian locks in its place, though. That that post you made made me, like, die laughing. (laughs) But this theme of your ghost coming back to haunt you, as much as I like seeing the negative side of it with Killian and and Maya and stuff, at the same time, I'm hoping we see Harley again in one of the future films. Because I I know. I think it'd be interesting to see something that positive Tony did come back as a reward, unlike all his past transgressions. Oh, and like Jensen! (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, I was so happy to see Jensen again, but then I was sad because I remembered that he referenced this in the first movie and what happened to him. <laughs> Did you, it's, it's been a little while since I've seen the first movie because whenever it's on FX, it's already like 30 minutes into a, the film and I have only seen the beginning of the movie a few times, but I've seen the rest oh. of the movie a bajillion times. Yeah. But did he ever reference in the beginning of Iron Man 1 that he knew who Tony was? Yes, he actually did. Okay. He's, you know, we've met before in a conference in Bern, and Tony's like, well, I don't remember you. And he's like, yes, well, I wouldn't have even been able to, I don't know, remember my own name, much less give a lecture on something scientific while I was drunk. <laughs> That was a good review there. Adrian, I don't know, horrible. like, it's been a while, but okay. that's the premise of it. I, I think that's what makes it really heartbreaking seeing Jensen again, knowing that him and Tony could have been friends this entire time, and Tony just completely ignored it. Then again, during that time, Tony was kind of a douche and very ego Kind of a douche? He was a douche. Uh, just say he was a douche. I was being a little nice. I'm trying to see if I can find the actual quote that Jensen says, like, about knowing Tony. I wonder how things have, would have turned out differently if he had connected with Jensen then. I wonder if Jensen would have lost his village and his family or if he had been working with Tony in New York. I mean, but then again, we wouldn't get Iron Man. That is very true. Seeing him in that scene, though, just broke my heart because I've always liked Jensen anyway. It was bittersweet because at the same time, my theater was singing the song Blue the moment it started. Huh? Like, my entire theater sang Blue. And it was awesome. And then when Jensen came up, a lot of people went, Oh! I know. I was so happy to see Jensen, and then I was also, like, kind of dancing and singing along to Blue. Like, that song is going to be, like, the most overplayed song for the Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom now. The one song I always associate with Tony and with Iron Man is any of his ACDC songs. That's true. Like, I got the special Iron Man 2 music CD, and all of the songs are just ACDC, and it is so awesome. What song does he play when he arrives in Germany to stop Loki with the cap. I want to say that it's Shoot to Thrill. I think you're right. It's definitely his song because even when he shows up in Iron Man 2, like at the beginning for the Stark Expo, that's the song that they play. Mm -hmm. And I still can't find that stupid. Oh, wait, here it is. We met, you know, in Bern. Really? I don't remember. <laughs> of course not. If I had been that drunk, I wouldn't have been able to stand, let alone give a lecture on integrated circuits. Oh. Yeah, that was Jensen and Tony's, like, mention of Jensen having met before. I had, like, a moment of feels when Jensen came on the screen. I know, and I kind of felt bad for Killian when he first showed up. Me too. I'm like, Tony, you asshole. How dare you leave him up on that... Like, the top floor. The roof? The roof, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called a roof. I think so. Yeah, the roof. It's okay, I misspeak all the time. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that was a really douchey moment. I mean, I don't think it justified enough to become a supervillain and start a terrorist organization. Because he was disabled, I think. Like, because he had those braces or whatever. And you get ignored and blown off by someone that you admire. I don't know, that's gonna mess with someone. That is true. My biggest fear is when Enchantacon comes and I interview David Anders, he's just gonna blow me off. And it's gonna break my heart if it does. I, I can understand that. I think it's just more of like 
taking it in one of two ways that really defines a person. Killian could have either did what he did, which was become a supervillain and use all this for bad stuff and exploding people, or he could have used it for good and actually followed Maya's plan and actually probably beat Tony Stark in the end for having this medical marvel. Yeah, that's true, but then, you know, we wouldn't have it a- wouldn't be AIM. We it wouldn't, wouldn't be the three, so. AIM that we know from EMH and the comic. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking about his character in general, not referring yeah. to the canon. get what you mean, though. How did you feel about Maya? I don't know. I didn't I, I didn't get a connection with her. I'm like, oh, okay, you created extremists. I That's pretty much exactly how I felt about her, too. And I think a lot of it is because she was constantly flip-flopping. I know, like, first she's like, okay, I'm going to help Tony. No way I'm just going to be playing him. No way I'm going to threaten to inject myself with extremists. They needed a specific thing for her. She either needed to be a bad guy, tricking Tony the entire time, or she was a good guy forced to do this terrible situation. Because right now, it just seemed like she just didn't know what she wanted to do, and she kind of floundered throughout the entire movie. If it weren't for that, she would have been a good character. But because she did that, kind of, like, I didn't know what her motivation was. I don't know what she was doing. It's like, okay, do you know what you're doing? Because I don't. I, I was waiting for her to have a scene where she was like this isn't what I wanted you know and like seeing her try to go after Killian instead of you know like I'm going to kill myself if you do this Killian and I know the cure and Killian was like nope shoot in the face I I just never really got a feel for her I think the moment I connected with her the most though was at the very end when Tony was talking about we all start off bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go into the world uh-huh. And it showed her the night after they were at the conference in Vern, and she was just working. Instead of interacting with Tony or anybody else, she was just working. And I think oh God, that was the moment I connected with her the most. Oh, you're giving me feels. Oh, God. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I, maybe it's just coming from you and me, because we're both young and just now starting our adult lives and our careers. Oh, definitely. And I've had, like, moments where I get anxious about things, like where, oh, God, what if I'm not doing this right? What if I'm, like, am I doing this the correct way? I'm, Girl, like, what I am I going to do with my life? <laughs> That's me, like, every fucking day. Every time I tweet now, I have that moment. Oh, yeah, because people from once are watching you now. Yeah, Adam Horowitz follows me on Twitter. And, you know, Once Upon a Time is a show that I would love to work on, or that kind of show, or just to get to know people in the business. And he's been following me for over a week now. And every day I go back to my follower list, and I check it to make sure he's still there. And I haven't scared him off yet. And so now I have this constant fear. I have to always be good enough. I always have to show that I'm working at yeah, and I And I really get that from Maya in the beginning and at the end when, you know, Tony references back to her. And, and kind of from Killian in those Vern scenes. Because we're at, we're, you and me are both at this position where we're kind of being, I, I, we're on the verge of like being a real adult and still kind of being young adults. Like we're trying to to build our own lives and make our own way into the world. If we mess up, it might be our chance or it might set us back years for all we know. It might set us back weeks, but uh, any mistake could set us back years. I do like the whole philosophical thing that came out of this. As you said, like the ghost coming back to haunt you and also that people start out innocent, but then over time we lose that innocence and we grow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, And I, that I, can even go for Tony too, because 
because he was kind of naive, I guess, about what was happening, like, with the weapons. He was completely ignorant. Oh, I think that goes for everybody in this Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. I mean, look at Steve. He started probably <laughs> the most innocent of all of them. He just wanted to go fight the bullies. And we see then, you know, he was following orders and stuff until he found out on the helicarrier they were using Hydra weapons. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait, what? You know, before he was arrogant and closed-minded, and he thought he was a shit. And it took him getting knocked on his ass before he finally sucked it up and grew up. Like, it's a theme that I think runs with all of our characters. Except, I don't know, like, the Bruce the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton. I don't know. It doesn't have that. One that I haven't seen, and I'm okay with that. I don't know. It doesn't have that same sort of feeling, I guess. Like, I've only seen it once. I will say, though, it probably refers back to, reflects back to Bruce in the comics, because he did come from an abusive past with his father. And so, with the exception of maybe Natasha and possibly Clint. They they all had lost their innocence very young. That is true. Clint, like, we don't know his backstory in the movies, which I really want to know, and it makes me sad that he's not going to show up in any of the other movies until Avengers 2. Really? Like, that's what they've been saying. Oh. Which makes me really sad, but um, I want to know what happened in Budapest. They need to have a movie, and all it's going to be is like, the Marvel Avengers, what actually happened in Budapest? <laughs> I think the theme is running fairly well for all of our characters, and I think we're going to continue seeing it out through phase two. And what's great is that the directors for all of the movies are really great, and then having Joss Whedon being a part of phase two will help keep that centric idea Mm -hmm. of, like, what he wants, which I think is, like, really cool, because then you get continuity in everything. Though I was reading that any problems they had that arised in a previous movie, they just passed it off to the next director to be like, all right, you figure it out. Which, I don't know, that's kind of kind of an asshole move. No, they all did it. Like, I was reading about that. Like, some of the questions that arose in Avengers Just was like, turn it over to the Iron Man director, and he was like, okay, well, here you go, you figure it out. And do it on your own, that way the director wasn't dictated by someone else. And the same thing happened, like, the the director with Iron Man 3 went to the director of Captain America 2 and Thor 2, and they were like, okay, here you go, your turn to get this shit done. That's true, like, making it their own. I think if you dictated it too much, then it'd be like, this is Josh Whedon's fanboy palooza throughout (laughs) phase two. Like, each director needed to have their own take on these. Very true. Speaking of directors, because he was their director of the second one, how did you feel about Happy Hogan in this film? Oh my god. I love Happy. I really do. I think my favorite part that I didn't catch the first time around, it took Tumblr pointing it out to me, but the scene in Downton Abbey he's watching is the show for lusting after the woman he loves. And in the oh. comic, Happy and Pepper are together. Yeah, I saw that. It also took Tumblr to point that out to me because I didn't even recognize that he was watching Downtown Abbey because I don't watch Downtown Abbey. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch Downtown Abbey either. Yeah, I really and... want to watch Downtown Abbey. I just haven't had a chance to. <laughs> Again, is it my fault? Yes. <laughs> That's okay, it's my fault too. But I, I really liked Happy in this scene, in, in, like, in this movie. The only thing is, I bet Pony and Pepper are kicking themselves over what happened to him because he was warning them from the beginning that something oh, was up with Killian. Definitely. And just seeing Tony's guilt when he's just sitting there in Happy's hospital room, he is like, ah. Oh. 
he is so distraught about this. Mm-hmm. Because Happy's been with him since the beginning. I was really glad that they touched on Happy and Tony's friendship. Because when they said that Happy was, you know, not working for Tony anymore, I was like, oh no! We're not going to get any Happy Tony relationships. And they made sure to put that in, which I really appreciated. And he was such a good character. He really was. Even with his funny things of, like, badge. <laughs> tat up. Badge. Badge tat up. Him even talking, like, calling Tony and being like, hey, you know, there's this guy here. He's showing Pepper his brain. I know that part, too, because it shows that they're still friends and he's looking out for his bro. Definitely. Even in 1999, <laughs> I love when, that. <laughs> when the extremist on the plant, like, explodes, and it's minutes later, they've already taken a look at it. They're trying to figure out what happened, looking at the um, drawback of it, and, like, Happy just tackles Tony, and it's, you're a little late, Happy, but good job. <laughs> I, I love that scene. Yeah, Happy was great this film. I just, I don't think we saw Pepper's reaction to him being down, did we? I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember either. Because I know we saw Tony's, because that was very clear, but I don't know if we saw Pepper's. I'd like to think that she was a vet. I mean, we know she was probably upset. They're friends. Hmm. So, I had one really big question while watching this movie. Yes? Where were the other Avengers? I would say that they were probably busy doing other things. Like, <laughs> doing like, Avengery things. I don't know, maybe they were stuck in traffic. Oh, stuck in traffic. <laughs> The whole time I was thinking, you know, like, they, their friend was apparently killed, and there's an international terrorist pretty much threatening to kill everybody. So where were the Avengers? But then the more I thought about it, in Phase 1, we had Fury's Big Week, where it was, I think it was Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, and Thor all happened at the same time in a week. Mm-hmm. And we see that in Iron Man 2, Fury's like, Tony, you don't even know what's going on in the Southwest right now. They do make references. I think they're the map in Iron Man 2 was showing things like from the Hulk that was going on and Phil is like he needs to go to New Mexico there's something else going on oh and I just remembered this is the first Iron Man movie without Phil oh that's okay he's he's clearance number seven yeah if you haven't seen the uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer, you don't know, but he's at uh, clearance level 7. But, I am um, so happy that he's back. Oh. Colton lives. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I have that as a note. And so the, when, I, when I realized, I was like, you know, I feel like the other Avengers should at least be, like, there for their friend who's dead or trying to figure out or stop this terrorist. I started thinking that maybe what's going on, because it was very specific. It was Christmas, which I thought was odd coming out, you know, in April. <laughs> they were doing Christmas. Theme. Like, it was May here when it came out. Yeah. And just watching this, and all of a sudden he's playing Christmas music. But then I had to wonder if that's what time period they're trying to set this in. Because in the Thor 2 trailer, Jane and Darcy are wearing winter coats while they're in London. And so, and also in Captain America 2, I'm going to take this a little literal. <laughs> a little literal. It's Winter Soldier, which we all know is Bucky. But even though it's Bucky, like, maybe they're also setting it in winter as well to help kind of, I guess, push his name. So so maybe everything that's happening in the next few movies are happening during Iron Man 3 and they couldn't get to Tony. That's true, but what about Bruce then? Like, where was Bruce? And see when we see him a little later. 
I I don't know. I have to wonder about that too because we see him leave with Tony in, in Avengers, and then we see him in the post credits. But we actually don't know what Bruce was doing. Maybe he was off like in some other country playing doctor again. I don't, he looked really well adjusted. He was in a nice suit. He had his hair cut like and done. Like he he looked really comfortable and well adjusted. He didn't look also, like he did at the beginning of the Avengers. Also, I'm kind of mourning the um haircut. <sighs> I don't know. I kind of like the haircut. At the same time, I miss the fluffy locks. Um, oh, hello. That is true. I don't actually know what Hulk was doing. That, that's a very good point. I didn't think about that one. Because I figured, you know, we know Natasha in early set pictures is with Steve in Winter Soldier. And Thor is in Asgard. And, but, and then I wasn't sure about Clint. I figured Clint was off doing S.H.I.E.L.D. things. <laughs> Probably. But I, know, I didn't even consider what Bruce was doing and why he couldn't come to Tony's aid. Traffic. Traffic. He had to walk there. <laughs> he had to walk there, and then someone tried to mug him, and he turned into the Hulk and scared him off. And then he was like, well, damn, I need to get new pants now. So he had to go and buy it. That's why he's in a nice dapper suit, because he happened to be by Bloomingdale's. And so he swung into Bloomingdale's as the Hulk, and they didn't even let him pay, because they are like, oh, cool, it's the Hulk. He saved New York. So they gave him their nicest suit available. And so he turned back to Bruce and then dressed him up in Bloomingdale's, and then he continued walking to Stark Tower, and by the time he got there it was all over that's what but happened but then again uh iron man 3 takes place in malibu shit <laughs> <laughs> well maybe they maybe he went to stark tower because his house got blown up yeah it's like well no use in going to california probably not there you know though i wouldn't be surprised if bruce was in stark tower doing research because he was going to take bruce there he talked about in the avengers taking him there that's true but now i just envision bruce being by himself in this giant tower though he <laughs> has a room there though because tony was designing all their rooms at the end of the avengers so but he would be by himself i think because if you're maybe right clint's and... there maybe clint's there and they're just getting drunk and they're having earth midas hero scenes where clint's sunbathing and hulk is swimming in the swimming pool god i love earth midas heroes Clint and Hulk in that show are freaking hilarious together. They are such bros. Which is great because you don't really get that between Clint and Bruce, but they are really strong bros in Earth Mightiest Heroes. In Earth Mightiest Heroes, Clint goes to find Hulk, Bruce on multiple occasions. They work together, they joke together, they even snark at each other, which is amazing. We really didn't get to see Clint have a lot of interaction with the other Avengers. Seriously, for most of it, he was Loki's puppet. And then the next we see, he's fighting Natasha. And then Steve shows up and he's like, hey, you got a suit? All right, suit up. And then they go and fight the Chitauri. And then after that, they get shawarma. There wasn't a lot of time for Clint to interact with anyone. But honestly, Jeremy Renner got the shortest amount of screen time. Didn't Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans have over 30 minutes of screen time, like 30, 40 minutes? And Jeremy Renner has like 16 minutes. Someone outlined it and Chris Evans as Steve Rogers has the most amount of green time in the movie. And then Jeremy Renner has the least, which is sad because Jeremy Renner, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gotta love those arms. Oh god, I want to lick those arms. Wow. God, my list of arms Hope Molinax wants to lick. Jeremy Renner, Josh Dallas, um, who else has nice arms? I kind of like Benedict Cumberbatch's arms. Done. <laughs> There's my list. You just had to mention <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, didn't you? What? This was your excuse to mention him. Yes. And Tom Wilson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I love Tom. Yeah. Do you think this is going to be the last Iron Man? I don't know. It would be sad if it was. Let me rephrase this question. Do you think this will be the last Iron Man movie? Though we know already it's not going to be the last time we see Tony Stark because of the post-credits. Do I think there's going to be an Iron Man 4? I don't know. That might be pushing it. But then again, I don't know what they would do for Phase 3 if they didn't have an Iron Man 4. I don't think they have to necessarily have an Iron Man for every phase. That's true. Because they were talking about maybe doing a new Hulk movie for after Avengers 2. I have something on Entertainment Weekly about that, talking about that. They were also talking about making an Ant-Man movie. I have all this written down. But the thing about the Hulk is, that they wrote in Entertainment Weekly, is uh, there have been two standalone Hulk movies, but Mark Ruffalo's take on the character in The Avengers was the first that seemed to click perfectly with fans. At this stage, though, a solo film remains on the background. There's not a script in the works or anything, but we are talking about it, says Fish. He's the president of Marvel movies and Mm -hmm. things. All the Hulk energy right now is on Avengers 2, but Mark is signed up. And Fish smashes any rumor that Marvel will make a film from from the Planet Hulk comics, in which the monster is banished to an alien world. What we're excited about is exploring and expanding is Mark. And Bruce Banner is not in Planet Hulk at all. The fun of Hulk is is his interaction with humans so they're not planning a a Hulk movie at the moment but we know I think we're gonna see Bruce pop up more in cameos I've also just pulled up the Wikipedia page for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talking about like other projects because will you send that that over to me that link uh sure I will do that right now what you were saying I was saying that there's Ant-Man because they've already been working on it and they've already made test footage which they showed at Comic-Con it is confirmed to be the first movie phase three too and then they're talking about other projects because someone has already was hired to write a script for a nick fury movie Mm -hmm. i love a nick fury movie two people in 2010 were hired to write a screenplay for doctor strange yep that's one of the ones i got down black panther someone is writing a script for that black panther do you know what do you want to know the interesting part about about what i heard about the black panther script what? The guy writing it is actually a guy who's famous for doing documentaries in Africa. Huh. Which I think would be awesome because we would really get that background with T'Challa's character. I know. Which, again, awesome. And we finally get to see where Vibranium comes from. The, I will say, because uh, I, I have it written down to chat about all these future films in a minute. I think if we see Tony again, I'm not sure that we'll get an Iron Man 4. I think I would almost like seeing him pop up as a supporting character throughout the uh-huh. future films and see him guiding the Avengers and like being that background and that support until Avengers 2 and going into Phase 3. I think it'd be difficult to do an Iron Man 4, but I wouldn't mind seeing Tony pop up as a cameo guardian or just like, you know, him and like him come in Captain America 3 or something and it's him and Steve fighting together. That would be awesome because, again, from comics and stuff, the and Tony, they fight really well together and they're like best friends and confidants. Like this is even seen in Earth's Mightiest Heroes and there's also a lot of hints of relationships. <laughs> <laughs> you said it nicer than I, I said it. I was going to say gay feels. <laughs> 
gay feels. Yeah. I think it would make sense to have him pop up in the other movies as cameos because we see it in the comics. Like, I just bought the trade paperback comic of Hawkeye and there's a scene where Steve is sitting with him. And it, and it happens all the time in the comics. Like, they cross over to each other's comics constantly. So I think I think if we see Hulk pop up in another movie, we already know Black Widow is going to be in Captain America 2. And can I just say, I really hate her straight hair. Oh my god, what is up with this hair? It's in this? so ugly. Like, okay, I like I like Tony's haircut. I like Thor's and Loki's hair. <laughs> they're, they're new perms. As I mentioned, I'm kind of on the fence about Bruce's. And Thieves, I actually like it with the sideburns. Mm, Chris Evans. Yes, everybody, I should tell you that, that Angel is the biggest Chris Evans fan ever. Ever. I will I will stop liking him when he stops being so perfect. <laughs> Which is never. That's how I feel about half the British actors I adore. Because that's, that's my problem with Colin O'Donoghue right now. Because, oh my god, he not only is beautiful. We'll, we'll get back to haircuts in a minute. He's not only is beautiful, he has a fucking band. He sings like an angel and plays like a bunch of instruments including the ukulele which is one of my favorites to top it all off he's just gorgeous and but sadly he's married oh that face is it terrible for <laughs> wanting to wish them not to be married <laughs> no no that's terrible i'm actually really happy they're together and i hope he's happy and that's what's important but there's a <laughs> small side of me of going if you ever divorce man i'm on that like r- white on rice because <laughs> captain hook I will be your hooker. Uh. So haircuts, yes. Black Natasha's haircut in Captain America 2. I just, I maybe it's because the first time we really saw her in both Iron Man 2 and the Avengers and all that, it was the wavy hair. And that's really pretty on her. I just hope they don't do like the buzz mohawk that she has in one of the comics. I have not seen this. Oh, let me see if we can find it while we talk about this. Phase 2 is a mix of going with a new direction with Avengers, but keeping like some of the same themes. But also, let's try new hairstyles. Yeah, there's really like feeling of just them playing around, but I kind of like that though, because if it was static, I mean, we change our hair all the time, like you dyed your hair a couple weeks ago. Yes, and it is blonder now. Are we going to talk about Tony and his arc reactor? Oh, I totally forgot about, yes, yes, we can talk about Tony and the arc reactor, because I'm still very much on the fence about that ending. I kind of liked it because it kind of showed Tony's road. He was finally able to move have it I guess like he stopped needing to rely on certain things and learn more to rely on himself and that he is Iron Man I'm on the fence about it because of the fact that if he could have had surgery why didn't he do it in movie 2 when the thing was fucking poisoning him I don't know maybe he was scared I think that there is that idea of oh god like because remember with Obi he basically ripped out the arc reactor from his chest and I can imagine going in having this kind of surgery where it's so close to his heart and there's a chance of him maybe dying. But he's, same, probably, he's probably scared of taking that next step. I completely hear you on that one and I understand it. But at the same time, if he could have had the surgery the entire time, it makes me look back to Iron Man 2 and his actions like making Pepper CEO, making sure Rhodey had a suit. It kind of makes him feel like he's just giving up. And I think at that time when he found out about the palladium poisoning, like because he 
he didn't know what else to do. Because sometimes Tony does need that, hello, there's other options. He needs that to be pointed out to him sometimes. And I understand that, but I mean, it just kind of makes me feel that he just sort of gave up there in the end. And that if he could have done it the entire time, then that should have been an option that he really fully considered, opposed to just giving up all his assets to everybody and then coming back and fighting at the end for it. And who knows, maybe he actually needed extremists to help him with that surgery. That's that's actually a real... But did he have any extremists in him in the movie? No, not before. No. But I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking Iron Man 3. Like, did he actually have extremists put into his body? I can't remember. No, they don't really show the surgery either. Yeah, like they, that which surprised me because in the trailers they were like, look at Tony having surgery. So I <laughs> thought they were going to be like putting what controlled his suit into him. Also, the shrapnel, he turned it into a necklace. I know. It was the necklace of Tony. Oh, to a pepper. I know. <laughs> so many feels. I don't know. I'm, on the, I'm so on the fence about it. But at the same time, I do like the fact that it's a metaphor of where Tony is going as a character. You know, like he, he is Iron Man. He doesn't need the suit. But at the same time, the suit is also so much of what made him become who he is. And same thing with the arc reactor. Same. I get what you mean. Yeah. It's like they're hand in hand with each other. They're, but at the same time, mm, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't but know how. Tony, I, I still just don't know how I feel about this. I think it's a good metaphor for Robert Downey Jr. as an actor and as a person. I guess because, like you know, he battled drugs and like they almost didn't cast him as Tony Stark because of his oh, no. drug problems. Ah, could you imagine a world without Robert Downey Jr. as Tony? I think like one of the people that was maybe up for grabs was like Nicolas Cage or something. Oh, Oh my god, no. I would have thrown... No, 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 no. That they, there was like a list of other actors, but I mean, I can't imagine anybody else but Robert Downey Jr. playing. And it really was him coming out of the gutters and becoming, you know, an A-list actor again. And him being, you know, a completely changed man. And it's I, that's why I think a lot of people's like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. believes he's Tony Stark. Well, in the same way, he kind of is. You know, Tony had to rise up from being captured and being in the gutters and become a hero and at the same time Robert Downey Jr. went through the same thing in his personal life as an actor like getting away from drugs and getting away from jail and becoming the man he is now. Even family has mentioned that that Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Tony Stark and Iron Man. And I, I really fully believe this. I think it's like the Daniel Radcliffe. Like no matter what Daniel Radcliffe stuffs, he's always going to be called Harry Potter. I know. And, and same thing with um oh my god I've completely his name slipped from me mark star wars he's luke mark i don't know star wars though <laughs> damn it you're no help to me oh my god what's his name i love him i'm gonna google this because i can hear everybody laughing at me because i love star wars and i hate mark hamill oh, okay i didn't even have to google okay. it mark hamill like he's always gonna be known as you know luke skywalker and and it's just one of those things that i think will always remember robert downey jr as iron man from here on out no matter what he did before i've seen other movies with robert downey jr in it especially after seeing iron man and iron man 2 I watched Zodiac a while ago, which has both Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo. And I think I watched this after seeing Avengers, and I'm like, hmm, you know, Robert, all of your characters just remind me of, you know, one person. Is it Tony? (laughs) 
Yes. Like, your characters just remind me of Tony. And then Mark Ruffalo, just seeing the interaction between the two of them. I'm sorry, this is bad, but, like, my mind just went like, oh, did the science bros have a fight? Bad. I I think I read somewhere that there was a point where Robert Downey Jr. was standing on on an edge and threw his drugs in the ocean. I, I think I read that somewhere. And that's why he wanted to have that scene at the end. If so, very symbolic. Very. I mean, that's... At the same time, the arc reactor is part of him. I don't know. Ah. It's a complicated fangirl thing. It is. It really, truly is. Because my first reaction was, was like, well, how is he going to run the suit? Well, then someone pointed out to me, you know, like, Rhodey's suit doesn't run on, doesn't need an arc reactor to run. It runs on, you know, the arc reactor energy, but it doesn't actually need an arc reactor in his chest like, to run it. It's like a fair arc reactor thing. Yeah. And then I was like, well, and also, he blew up all his suits. He mm-hmm. doesn't actually have a suit anymore. Oh, can totally we talk about the over the fact that he pulled dummy out of the ocean. I actually started to cry when um the Malibu beach house was blown up and you see dummy like reaching for like the other bus and they like fall into the ocean. I started tearing up. I know, like, there's one thing that Tony Stark loves is his bots, and especially Dummy. We see him interacting with Dummy in almost every single movie, and it's, like, sad, but then he, like, goes back and gets them, and all happy, and robot feels. Do we fit to, like, Marvel to make us care about freaking robots? But I, I think Dummy does have a special place to him, because that was his very first bot that he built. He, like, he wouldn't have probably had an Iron Man suit or anything if he hadn't built Dummy first. Definitely, and you can't can't say that he isn't sentimental because he built that thing back in like what the 80s yeah and he could have easily replaced him that's a very good point i think tony is very sentimental and and it's one of those weird things that only comes out in his actions he doesn't talk about it mm-hmm. like like using the shrapnel from his heart to make into a necklace to give to pepper like that's a very intimate thing definitely and he kept the heart that pepper gave to him for of the first arc reactor i mean we see and, and, and I mean, we see in Avengers when he flat out tells Thor, don't touch my things. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my things. Loki is not my thing because Iron Frost is a pairing. Iron Frost. I see. I don't really get Iron Frost because, come on, Loki threw him out of a window. <laughs> I mean, Hulk smashed Loki, and you still see people ship them together. I mean, come on. <laughs> people will ship what they ship. Take it from someone who, like, ships the smallest pairing in the world for once upon a time. <laughs> hey, you've got me to ship that, too, because of our role base, though. Charming whale, it's so canon. It's not canon. It's not supposed <laughs> to be canon. <laughs> I don't know. Charming does get a bit um, aggressive with other attractive male characters. He does get aggressive. <laughs> Let's see. How small tangent for once upon a time. How many times does he get aggressive with other males? Well, we see him do it with Whale. We see him do it with Cook. He gets aggressive with King George. He gets, he gets aggressive with Gold. Jefferson. Jefferson. Oh yeah, he gets aggressive. I forgot about Jefferson. He does he ever get really aggressive with Neil? No, because I wanted him to. But I wanted him to lay down Daddy Charming Laws and be like, "You knocked up my baby and stuck her in jail. What the fuck?" I really want him to get aggressive with Neil, but they never talk. But yeah, I I kind of makes me think of him like being like an alpha in a pack. He's like, "I'm the leader. I have to assert my dominance." because he's always around girls he doesn't have any guy friends like even around Leroy he's like fine Leroy we're running away from a giant you can call me whatever the damn all you want Leroy play with the other indentured servants charming 
That's why in my live vlogs, I always have, like, a snarky comment for him. <laughs> I love charming. <laughs> Except for, I didn't like him very much in, in Second Star to the Right, because I had a really angry moment with him, which was the first time I ever became really angry with Charming. But, I don't know, we see that in other things, too. Like, again, Avengers, Steve gets very aggravated next to, um, Tony. I think it's a guy thing. <laughs> I know. Girls don't do that. Well, actually, we get catty bitches. We, we're more subtle in our dominance. We Yeah, our competition is more subtle. Mean Girls is a perfect example of how girls undermine each other. We always wear pink on Wednesdays. You can't sit with us. None for you, Gretchen Wiener. I might love Mean Girls a lot. Four for Glenn go Coco. You go Glenn Coco. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Angel. I just had an idea for a future podcast. We oh. put on Mean Girls and and then we just do Mystery Science Theater and talk about it. Sounds awesome. Oh my god, I mean, girls talk. It's, I'm writing it down in my podcast journal. What, maybe at the end of the summer when I run out of things to talk about. Because nothing is on TV. <laughs> Except for Avengers Assemble. I'm really excited life. for Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I was kind of sad that Earth Mightiest Heroes is done because I like that show. But at <gasps> least now we get something else. And Clint has a really cool design. Oh my god, he's not wearing the stupid ass purple dress. Outfit. Oh my god. I don't know. I like his outfit in Earth Mightiest Heroes. It's funny. No one actually talked about his dumbass purple dress outfit in Earth Mightiest Heroes. I just imagine, like, behind closed doors, Steve and Tony actually talking about, like, is he seriously wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> but then Tony could be like, it's okay, Steve. Your chest is bigger than the side of a school bus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were doing with the proportions in this show, but Steve is fucking huge. <laughs> it makes sense for Thor, because he's a god, but Steve's, like, pecs are, like, the size of my face. <laughs> I think they're bigger than my face. It's, like, like two and a half of my faces. Wow. If my faces were, like, squished up as man boobs. And also, like, what is up with Tony's bangs? Bang? Oh, <laughs> I thought you said, what is up with Tony's thing? And I was like, his penis? <laughs> no. Oh, his bangs. I actually really like his bangs. Like, I mean, I do too, but it's like, cool, you have triangles for... Triangles. Okay. <laughs> my my question about Avengers Assembles... Oh, wait, let me get the release date, because I know it's coming out in June, was it? July. On July 7th, we're getting Avengers Assemble on Disney XDs. The only thing is that I'm wor wondering about, is it a continuation of Earth's of it, Earth Mightiest Heroes, or are they just flat out just starting a new one? From what I've seen, it definitely looks because... Okay, let me pull up the Wikipedia page. Oh, Laura Bailey is doing Black Widow? What? Oh, I love Laura Bailey. She's a uh, she's a voice actress in a lot of Funimation stuff. It says preceded by the Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes, so it kind of seems like a continuation. Like, let's see, the series will be a replacement and a possible continuation for the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Okay. I, at one point, I kind of want them to be a continuation, because just Earth Mightiest Heroes was so good, but uh -huh. looking at the roster now of who they have, and then looking at the roster of who they ended with with Earth's Mightiest Hero, it took them two seasons to build up in Earth Mightiest Heroes, that roster, with Ant-Man and Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, that's what it is. Jan as, as the Wasp, like, it took them two seasons to build that up and looking at how who they have now they have the six adventures from the movie and then the falcon how did they get the falcon i don't know because the falcon was a bad guy in earth mightiest heroes 
But well, I, he was being controlled by uh, Dal Ross. Oh, yeah, he was being controlled by Lieutenant Ross, because that was the Winter Soldier episode. Yeah. Uh, Avengers Assemble is believed to be viewed as a continuation, though it hasn't been confirmed. I don't know how we'll I have- feel. Oh, there's a one-hour preview of the series on May 26th. Nice. Yeah. But I'll be in Disneyland then. Well, well fine, I mean, you go to Disneyland World. and I'll text you what it is. Disney World. Lucky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Disney World since I was, like, a child. I barely remember it. Last time I went, I was, like, three. Okay, you went. I was, like, 11. I can actually remember it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Avengers Assemble. I, 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 as much as I would want it to be a continuation of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, at the same time, I think, I think it would be a good chance for them to build on the cinematic universe and to give us previews, because I think Falcon is actually in Captain America 2, I, I was reading somewhere. Yeah, he is actually going to be in Captain America, too. I'm trying to remember who plays him. Oh, yeah, Anthony Mackie, because we were talking about this when I was on a live stream, and we were watching Chris Evans' movies. We were watching What's Your Number? And he is actually in that movie, and he plays this person who wants to be a politician. He wants to be a the president, but he asked the main protagonist, female character, to be his beard. So, like, he has like this one line so now whenever i see him i'm just gonna think of that one line no i'm seeing on his page on wikipedia and being wikipedia i don't know how you know accurate it is but it says that he's already confirmed for avengers too that would be cool. Maybe when when we're getting Avengers Assemble, the TV series, they're setting us up more for Phase 2 to tie back into the cinematic universe. Well, Earth Mightiest Heroes was very much following the comics. Which I thought was that was the great thing. Like, you know, when I heard that we had Ant-Man coming up for Phase 3, I didn't really know anything about Ant-Man. And then, but watching Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I learned about Hank and... It really does fall back. I really highly suggest your listeners to go watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Both series seasons are on Netflix. Really great series. It has a bit of a slow start because this first seven episodes is just introducing you to everybody. But once you get into the meat of the series, it's really good. And not only that, but even though it's geared towards children, it like if you've ever noticed when going to watch cartoons geared more towards younger kids, like they kind of dumb things down and it's like, really, you're going to talk to me that way? Earth's Mightiest Heroes doesn't do that, really. No, they, they really don't. There's a few times where I was questioning, like, oh my god, they got away with that one. It has, like, a lot of great episodes, and there's, oh, it's such a great cartoon. I still love the season one finale where they go to the seven different realms, and poor Clint is like, hey guys, there's an elf pointing an arrow at my face. Guys, I don't, I don't think this is supposed to happen. Especially in season two, man. Season two, with the whole scroll arc, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. But once they bring in the secret invasion arc and the scrolls, and you actually don't know who's a scroll and who's not, that's when Earth's Mightiest Heroes is really good. So many feelings. Yeah, don't give away any spoilers, but like there's a few episodes where you're, you're thinking some people are scrolls, and then you completely find out that you're wrong, and the people you didn't know were actually scrolls. Oh, it's it's really good. Okay, so maybe we should go back to Iron Man on that note. Oh, extremist. An extremist, yeah. <laughs> Is it extremist or extremist? Because I keep saying extremist. I pronounce it extremist. It might be extremist, but extremist. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Okay. I guess. So, how did you feel about extremists in the movie and how it was um, used in the narrative and blah blah blah? Again, I don't know much about the comics, but I kind of like how they did extremists, except or extremists. Um, 
just that it was Tony who had it, and you have to have, like, special DNA in order to have it, I think. In the comics, right? Yeah, in the comics. You had to have, like, only a small percentage of people had the DNA sequence or structure that allowed them to, the specific gene that let them have extremis, like, if you didn't have it, then you die. And, like, the Mandarin wanted to have it, like, released so everyone is affected by it, but that would end up killing the majority of the population. I think he uses it for his armor, I think. Extremis has been referred to, and this is the comic lore, boys and girls, Extremis has been referred to as a fires constantly since the story. The verbatim description offered by its inventor Maya goes, Extremis is a super soldier solution. It's a bioelectronics package fitted in, into a few billion graphite nanotubes and suspended in a carrier fluid. A magic bullet, like the original super soldier serum, all fitted into a single injection. It hacks the body's repair center, the part of the brain that keeps a complex blueprint of the human body. When, when we're injured, we refer to that area of the brain to heal properly. Extremis rewrites the repair center. The effects of extremist process, apart from the changes specific to Tony Stark included, greatly accelerated healing, immensely boosted immune system, generation of new improved organs, Tony's cardiovascular system and respiratory system were greatly upgraded, and the side effects of increased aggressiveness. Tony has had the superpowers removed from extremist complier, though effectively exchanging them for the abilities to interface directly with the machines of his own armor, but the Malin retained um, the superpowers resulting in his highest level super strength, super speed, advanced invulnerability, and abilities to breathe fire. <laughs> Object arcs of electricity from his hands as well as becoming completely bulletproof. So you, he can uh, directly, with extremists, interface with his own armor. That is cool, but hey, at least they had the breathing fire thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I thought that it was kind of cool, like, had the whole regeneration thing, but one of the things is, like, some people were able, you were able to blow a hole in their chest and they didn't regenerate, and then there were some people who, like, fell into a fire and from like a really high height and managed to regenerate like my biggest did. problem was Killian literally exploded and was able to regenerate but the guy got a hole blown in his chest and he didn't come back yeah maybe it you know you have to have like your heart basically injured or like like it's something that you can't walk away from like having a huge hole blown into your chest Killian to, like... was exploded like <laughs> they, they expl- like he went boom and like a bajillion pieces there was no Killian left you know, like a smear on the sidewalk. I don't know how they ended up doing that, but I do like the one guard when Tony was being all badass and he just had a gun, his one of his gauntlets and one of his boots, and he's like aiming it at one of the guards and he's like, don't shoot me, I don't like working here, they're so weird. <laughs> I loved that part too. That was probably one of my biggest pet peeves of the movie. It was how inconsistent Extremis was. I can see that. It, it kind of was. Because like one of the girls were electrocuted and didn't come back. But one of the guys, I think, got electrocuted but did. Was it maybe like how much Extremis was in their body? Like I don't, I don't understand the difference between why some people came back and others didn't. I guess like maybe Extremis affected people in different ways. Maybe their genetic material, like it would attach better 
matter to some genetic material, while for others it didn't. They don't go into much detail except that it's supposed to be like a regenerative regenerative sort of thing. I guess the only thing is, like, since the movie wasn't that long, if they had just been another like minute or two just giving like a fine detail, I think it would have worked a little bit better. Yeah. Just like, or like throw out a line of like Killian's or Maya's and being like, you know, it works better for some people than others. Also, uh, people exploding from the extremis. One of the first things that I thought of when I saw the leftover of people exploded, the people who were around them, like, they became nothing but shadows. And I'm like, ah, this reminds me of when I saw photos of after the atomic bomb in Japan. That's exactly what I thought, too. I'm like, yeesh. This is going to sound slightly morbid, but it was kind of cool in a way, in a weird kind of morbid way. I think Tony even talked about that, like like the explosion had more of a you know, like heat than an atomic bomb, which I was just like, how did Happy survive that? I know he was behind the cart, but still. <laughs> That's because you can't kill off Happy, because Happy is awesome. Oh, they killed him off in the comics. <laughs> yeah, well, that's comics. And everyone comes back eventually. Like, I mean, they've killed Peter before, and he came back. Yeah, and they've killed Cap, and he came back, and they killed Bucky, and he came back. I mean, it's comics. They killed Johnny Storm uh, recently, and formed a new FF, and then I think he came back. Yeah, Though yeah, I, I found sure that about out. Johnny Storm, because the rule of comic books is, if you don't see them die, then they're gonna come back. But they actually showed his death, so that's why I was a little iffy about Johnny Storm possibly coming back. I think he got, like, rebuilt or whatever. We'll make him bigger, stronger. Give him bionic arm, and Bucky can teach him how to use it. Yeah. No, like, I've actually done the research because of, um, you know, a role play. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, really awesome role play where Steve is actually Johnny. I'm glad you enjoy those. Hey, I like my crossovers. I like my crossovers, too. I'm enjoying our uh, Avengers Once Upon a Time crossover. Yes, that is so much fun. Loki um, and Regina, we need to have a scene with Loki and Regina soon, just saying. We do. I, I kind of wish just Extremis was a little bit more fluid and, and was explained slightly better. But I think they did a good job with it. Like, the special effects were kind of cool. It was, and seeing Pe- Pepper with it was really cool. Definitely. Seeing Petr- Pepper tortured was not cool, but seeing oh, her God. with the superpowers afterwards was really cool. Like, I noticed, even though this is a superpowered movie, there wasn't a lot of people being in armor and fighting with superpowers, except you know the people with extremists mostly it was like tony and roadie doing badass things by themselves you know i'm still on the fence about whether or not that i like tony out of the armor more because he really wasn't in the armor too much in this movie i just kept imagining him like learning those some stuff from well of course happy taught him boxing i also imagined him learning some things from natasha and clint and steve and like when he's running away when there's all those extremist people and the suits are flying around and attacking them. And he falls onto one of the crate things, like the metal crate things. I just see him thinking, God, how do they do this? <laughs> Damn it, Clint, you didn't teach me right. Bust him out my foot. You wanted to talk about Harley and Tony feels. Oh my God, I love their interaction. Because they're connected. I love that little scene like where Harley, at first, he's the one who brought it up. Like, you need me, we're connected. And then Tony just gets in the car and like Harley tries to guilt trip him. Like, so you're going to leave me like my dad? And Tony completely calls him out on it. Wait, you're trying to guilt trip me, right? I'm cold. (laughs) 
I'm cold. Do you know how I know? We're connected. We're connected. And he just drives off. And that is like such a Tony thing. I'm really glad though they didn't open it up for him like possibly being a daddy figure. I think that was a very smart move because then instead of like him being a daddy figure to Harley, they were just like Uh, psychics. Definitely. Like they were more of older brother-ish, maybe cool uncle figure. I kind of wish we got to meet Harley's mom, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad we didn't. Yeah. Because I have a feeling that her, his mom would be like, oh, Tony Stark. Oh, no, there goes my bra strap. And oh. Tony just be like, oh, no. Speaking of fanboys and stuff, what about that? Oh, that Dynasty one guy. Fan? Yes. Okay, so something I really like about Tony Stark is, and it's the difference between how he treats Harley and the guy in the TV van, and the difference of how he treats Killian. And and like at the same time, well, actually no, I'm not gonna say Killian because that that happened before he was Iron Man. Let's say Justin Hammer because uh-huh. that that was him post Iron Man. He treats people like douches when he knows that they need to be treated like douches. You know, he knows Justin Hammer is a slime ball. He knows that he's not a good guy, but he treats people kind the people who deserves kindness to them. Like when he built Harley like a completely new lab area thing that oh my god it was so sweet and I'm like Tony oh. Even the guy in the TV man he could have been a real douchebag to him and been like you fucking tell anybody I'm Tony Stark and I'm here. Like no he was very kind to him and he was like chill and relaxed. He never once was like you should help me because I'm Tony Stark. He came at the guy as like hey I need your help you know. He, he never demanded help he asked for it well I think right. if it was anybody else he like you know if it was Justin Hammer and for some god-awful reason if he ever needed help from Justin Hammer he would demand it from him probably which... so who would ask Justin Hammer for help I mean his stupid tech didn't even work oh my god that scene still gives me the heebie-jeebies that's the one scene out of all the Marvel movies I just get the heebie-jeebies is the Senate scene and we're seeing all his tech fail and it's the one where the guy like twists and it like twists him in half oh god I can't stand uh. that scene I, so I, I, was just, also, I just got chills just thinking about it. Oh, Marvel. But I was also talking about, like, the mother-in-law thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the little missile that was supposed to, like, completely blow people up and other things up. And it, like, just dinks off of whiplash and just falls off to the wayside. And it's like, good job, Hammer. You didn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, with Rhodey suit. Yeah. Gold star, you tried. I know you, when you were watching Carly, was having super family feels. I kind of did, like, I mean, especially with the whole bully thing. Explain to everybody what super family is. Okay, super family I is... I Cheez-Its and I'm too lazy. Super family kind of takes super husbands and then adds, like, a kid to it. Usually it's... Like super husbands. Super husbands, which is Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. Tony. And them being more domestic and stuff. And usually the kid that they have is like a DA Peter but I also like the idea of it being more of like the canon comic things like where Peter is teenager grown adult and he's basically ribbing Tony and Steve for being so domestic at times but I was thinking like you know seeing some interaction between Steve, Tony and Harley I don't know it was just a thought (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I get the I get the same thoughts too. Like I was thinking that probably like when I saw it, I I thought about Super Husbands too. And I'm like, you know, if Tony ever had a kid, it would probably be sort of like this. If him and Pepper ever procreated, God forbid, Tony Stark Jr. coming to the world. I do actually. I think he'd be a, such a loving dad, unlike Howard, who was a bit of a douche. Like but, because he did have that background of his dad being completely neglectful. Howard so or Tony. Tony had the background of Howard being neglectful towards him just being a horrible dad to Tony. It's okay, because Tony stole Howard's boyfriend from the 40s. <laughs> I, I think that was a nice insight to see how Tony could possibly be a father. I also kind of saw it if they ever brought in the Young Avengers to see him as a mentor. Right. I, I thought that was if, if, if they ever touch on any Avengers or anything like that, or, or bring in, I doubt they're going to bring in Spider-Man. But it, it'd be, it was nice to see kind of Tony in that fatherly teaching mentory position. Oh my god, I just love the entire interaction like with him, especially, as I said, about the bully thing, where he gives Harley that flash thing. I don't know, for some reason that also brought me back to the idea of Steve and his thing, like, with bullies. Aww, I didn't make that connection, that's a good connection. So many feelings and I don't know how to put it into words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just say yes. 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 <laughs> Yes. That's that's what I've figured out on podcasting. If you don't understand, just say yes. It means they did something right. Yes. So, you want to talk about the post credit sequence with the science bros. Science bros! Uh, I was so happy to see Bruce because, and it actually gave me my new Tumblr name. What's your Tumblr name? Not dash, bad dash, kind of doctor. I will add a link in the show notes for you. See, because we heard that Tony was talking to someone, but we didn't know who he was talking to. And then we see that it's Bruce, and Bruce was actively napping during the entire story. My feelings on it is I both liked it, slash loved it, slash disliked it at the exact same time. Probably because you were expecting something like that would lead up to Thor 2 or Captain America. Exactly. I was really happy to see Bruce again and to have that cameo and, and to see that they're still connecting and they are still there for each other. Because Interaction! I, yeah, and as I was saying earlier, like, you know, there was a lack of Avengers in this movie, so it's nice to see that someone from the team was still there. And but they I, did make references to the Avengers, like, multiple times, which also, kind of a tangent, but good continuity, Marvel. Good continuity. I, I applaud you. But at the same time, it'd be one thing if it was the Avengers, because everything was leading up to the Avengers. And when we got the post-sequence with Shwarma, you know, I was okay with that, you know? They'd say the day, it was the end of the day, and they were just wanting to get food. But now, as we're leading up to Avengers 2, I was expecting, you know, a little sneak peek of either... Like, well, for one, I was waiting for Nick Fury to show up in this movie, because I love Nick Fury, and I think he's been in almost every Marvel movie. I think there's, like, one he's not in. He wasn't in The Incredible Hulk, but you haven't seen that. I think that is, too. Was he in... He wasn't, but, um... Was he Tony in Thor? Was. Uh, no, I don't think he was either. I think that was all Coulson. No, yeah, he was, it was Thor. He was in the post-credit sequence of Thor. Oh, okay. I don't remember the post-credit sequence for that, but, yeah. That was the one when the scientist friend walked downstairs, and he was like, Oh, I thought you guys were gonna kill me, and, like, Fury gave him the bitch face, and then in the mirror you see Loki controlling him. Right. That's um, the post-credit sequence of Thor. But he wasn't in The Incredible Hulk. Tony was, but... I was really really hoping we would get Fury in this film. So, I don't know, 
know. Like, I really wanted... I If it was now, if it was Science Bros, and at the very end, Fury walks in and goes, hey, I need to tell you guys about this Winter Soldier thing. Or, like, he comes and he's like, guys, you guys don't know what's going on in London right now. And they're like, what's going on, Fury? And he's like, Thor's back. I mean, like, I was waiting for something like that. But I was really happy to see Bruce, because their Science Bros are just adorable together. And I heard that, like, post credit sequence was, like, something that Robert Downey Jr. requested and help write. Which I think is, like, really sweet. Me too. I don't know. Like, they have a real-life romance. What did, what did you think about the post credit sequence? I just basically loved it. It was funny. I was expecting something that would, like, lead up more to the other films, but it was okay that they didn't. I liked the idea of Tony trying to use Bruce as his therapist. Like, at least he's talking to someone about this. Someone mentioned this is going back to Tony's supposed badassness in some of the scenes and someone mentioned that what if he was just decorating or embellishing some of the story because of who he's talking to like oh yeah I totally did this no (laughs) totally blew up uh totally blew up Killian Pepper kind of helped. It was most of me. And then Pepper, like, throws, like, a pillow at him from behind him. It was such a comedy thing because, again, as I said, Bruce napping through the whole thing, ending up losing Tony after going into the elevator. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then where he calls out Tony about, like, you know, I'm not that kind of doctor. Tony gets all huffy and is like, what, you don't have the time? The temperament. <laughs> you know something I never understood, especially after like if you don't think of it, it was like the very first Iron Man and you didn't know. But after like what, like six Marvel movies, I I still don't get when people walk out of the theater when the credit starts. I know, like I've actually learned finally that you have to sit and wait. Like I just I don't understand like why people <laughs> leave. Like don't they know? <laughs> Apparently some people don't. There were some people even in my theater who got up and walked out and I'm like, yeah, you're gonna miss it. Maybe they thought it was like Avengers because I think everybody actually Avengers was like, oh my god, it's gonna be something great, it's gonna be phase two and it's shawarma. So maybe they just thought it was something like shawarma again. No, shawarma was awesome and Chris Evans had a beard. Yes, he had that awful facial prosthetic that turned out looking horrible so he had to like hide his face. For, for listeners, so you know, Chris when they filmed the shawarma scene, Chris Evans had already started growing a beard for his next role, so they had to cover his face with a prosthetic, but it looked horrible, so that's why he has his fist up to his face. I love in that scene that the only people who is, like, really eating is, like, Clint and Tony and Brute, uh, and Thor, and, like, Natasha's, like, picking at her fries, and, like, but, like, Tony is, like, digging in, and so is Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Again, shows Tony's love for food, and Clint, he probably hasn't eaten in ever. Oh god, who knows how often, like, look, I know, I saw, uh, uh, it's not around anymore, which made me sad, but it was, like, it was this Ask Avengers blog, and someone wrote, like, what did Clint do during the day when he was with Loki, and so this person, like, wrote up, like, all these hilarious situations, like, beer pong, he was teaching Loki how to drive, they went to the mall, (laughs) and then they went to Germany. But there was a part where, Lo- where Clint was like, you gotta back up slowly, boss. Back up. That's parallel parking. And Loki's like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Who knows how well Loki treated them. Though Frost Hawk is another one of my favorite pairings. 
Oh yeah, didn't we do that in one of our other role plays? Mm-hmm. We definitely did Frosthop. Though Thortasha seems to be another favorite. Yeah, Thortasha. They're such precious babies. I know. Because I, I think Thor brings up the girliness of Natasha. <laughs> and of course, you've mentioned before how much you love my Thor. Oh my god, guys. I wish I need to post him sometime just some of what her interaction is for Thor is because her Thor is hilarious. I'm glad you think so because I haven't read any of the comics and all I know about Thor is from the movies. Oh god, what were we talking about before we got sidetracked? Talking about pairings. Oh yeah, also post-credits ending with the science bros, but definitely a good scene and I just love their interaction. I love their interactions too. I, in the very beginning, we knew that Tony and Bruce would have something and Joss we didn't even said that. Like, would just have some extra super special connection that nobody else had with them. I noticed that it was mostly Steve and Tony were, like, the main two who were, who didn't really care about the Hulk. Though I think Steve still cared more than, than Tony did. That's true. Like, and I mean, there's he... that one scene where Tony helps Bruce and Steve comes in and he's like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Are you crazy? Yeah, like, I think there's still some of that fear and Tony just never gave a fuck. That's true. But, like, I mean, at least Steve had a little less because when they first meet, like, Bruce and Steve first meet, like, on the helicarrier, Steve's like, so I hear that you can help find the Tesseract. And it's like, is that the only thing you heard? The only thing I care about? So I don't know. That was kind of sweet. One of my favorite things that someone pointed out on Tumblr is the fact that Clint never met Bruce <laughs> until he like showed up and turned into the Hulk. And I'm surprised Clint wasn't like, what the hell is that? <laughs> because by the time they got on the Hulk carrier, Clint was gone. Uh-huh. And then the time he actually like met Bruce, it was when he's like, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And then he turns into the Hulk. Seriously, he's never seen Bruce. Unless they like briefed him on it beforehand, which they probably did, but still. Clint has probably at least met Steve from Steve probably saying at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters for a while. I just have the image of him like standing over Steve while he slept. <laughs> I'm gonna brush your hair. Oh my god. So uh, creepy. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. I'm gonna and then, like lean down and whispers by his ear. Hawkeye is the coolest. Remember that. Hawkeye's the coolest. And, like Steve wakes up and like Hawkeye snaps and he's like Hawkeye's the coolest. Why did I just say that? <laughs> Awesome. Bill's getting angry at Clint. No messing with the super soldier. I just see that Bill like sneaking into like Steve's room the next night and he's like, Bill is the coolest. And like Steve wakes up and like looks at him and goes, No, Hawkeye's the coolest. Get out. Bill's like, I'm gonna crawl out now. <laughs> Anything else about science bros? Not that I can think of, just that science bros are amazing. There is a lot coming up soon. When it comes, when I say soon, I mean like over the next like three to five years. Yeah. <laughs> Not like tomorrow soon. I wish it was tomorrow. We'll probably get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as soon as September. Yay! Because I was thinking, Once Upon a Time premiered in September. So did, like all that. That's their fall season, and it's a fall season show, so it'll probably premiere before Thor, actually. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I know that I'm going to live vlog it. I had Thor 2 first, but let's talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first, since it's probably going to come out first. Ah, that trailer is awesome. Yes, it is. Ah, and I'm so happy that Coulson is back. Coulson lives! And it was something I was on the fence about for so long, because in, in the rules of superhero deaths, if you don't actually see them die, they don't actually die. And the fact that, like, Theory had to trick them all with the cards to get them to do 
shit really proved kind of was like supporting that he wasn't dead but at the same time we don't i don't know i'm so happy that colson's back i just really want to see mike with colson finding out what happened to his cars and just like you did what these were vintage sir and like steve having them all signed like getting new ones and signing them that would be great do you think we're gonna see a lot of cameos from the movie in the show I think that it would be cool, but seeing as how they're probably busy with other projects and stuff, probably not. If anything, I think we might see Fury the most, or Maria Hill. Most likely, and they're probably going to introduce new heroes, maybe? There's a guy in a trailer, he's an African-American guy, he jumps out a window and he lands, and he's saving a woman from a fire. Because he's African-American, we were debating whether or not he was Luke Cage or Rage. I want to be Luke Cage, because I love Luke Cage. I just saw this on a Tumblr post, and people are like, he's probably Rage from the New Warriors. I think the characters that I'm going to probably like the most, aside from Colton, is probably the guy who's the uh, tech. Yeah. Or the girl who was in the van. She was also talking to this other superhero who's like, well, you need to watch out for S.H.I.E.L.D. And the guy is like, a S.H.I.E.L.D.? I need a S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm wondering if it's going to be a little bit like Torchwood. Are you familiar with Torchwood? I've heard of it. I haven't really seen a lot of it. Just to give a versus basic premise of Torchwood, to anyone who doesn't know, it's a spinoff of Doctor Who, and they take the character Captain Jack Harkness, and they run with his storyline and like him running Torchwood and everything like he did in the show. And they find Eve, or no, Gwen. Eve's the actress that plays her. They find Gwen, and she's like a normal cop and stuff, and she just kind of stumbles into it, and they invite her to come join Torchwood and become one of them. I'm wondering if that girl in the van in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be like Gwen, and that where it wasn't a part of the group, and eventually they kind of absorb her in because she finds out too much? Probably. Her name is Guy. I just pulled up the Wikipedia page. Like the character's name? Yeah, the character's name. God, I hate those kind of names. Apparently, she's a new civilian recruit and a computer hacker. And I just love how Coulson finds her in the van and she's like, <laughs> Going back to possibly seeing other people in the show, I think they'll probably use a lot of clips from the movies as they come out. That would probably make sense. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Hawkeye more than Natasha. It would be cool to see Hawkeye because I think Phil is Clint Handler. <laughs> yes. Handler. Sorry. Bleh. How to speak English. <laughs> I, I knew what you were saying. Yeah, Handler, because Clint called Colton his boss in Thor. Thor is the big reason why I think that we'll see Hawkeye more than any of the other Avengers, because he, we're, he's the one that's act with, actively worked with Colson before. And can we talk about the fact that Ming-Na is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, because I don't know who that is. That is the voice of Ba Mulan. Oh! Oh! Yeah! Yes, we can talk about that all day. I think that's really awesome. And she's the pilot and weapons expert. I'm so excited for S.H.I.E.L.D. I know. I have like a whole S.H.I.E.L.D. bag. It's a cool bag too. I've seen it. Totally awesome. I cannot wait to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. We've decided, me and Angel, that people in the fandom are called S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. So the Marvel Universe expands the TV. This is from Entertainment Weekly. The Marvel Universe expands the TV with this projected ABC series focusing on the non-superpowered humans of the global police force S.H.I.E.L.D. Joss Whedon, executive producer, director 
director and co-wrote the pilot, in which Greg Clark reprises his role from the Avengers as a highly efficient Agent Coulson. It remains unclear how he managed to survive his seemingly de uh, definitive fate in the Avengers. Given how many characters Marvel Studios controls and the fact that they only want to produce two films a year, because we see some that as of yet unused heroes turn up here, the show would open up on another outlet for some of these characters. Maybe they guest star. I think they're avoiding a cameo of the week on that show, which is very smart. The fact that we're not getting a lot more superheroes every week and stuff makes me wonder how they're going to set this up if it's going to be more of a, like a supernatural CSI kind of show. That would be interesting. I mean, I guess we just have to see how things go. Yeah, that's one I think we're just going to have to wait on. Maybe we'll see some of the more what people consider minor superheroes. I just want Luke Cage. I want Luke Cage intended. Whoa! What about the Young Avengers? That would be interesting. Like, what if they brought the Young Avengers into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and like they're kind of training them to come up to be like the next superheroes? Hmm. I'm looking at the casting thing, and it says that Colby Mulders, who plays Agent Maria Hill in The Avengers, said that her character may make an appearance in the show, and that her commitment to How I Met Your Mother would not prevent her from participating. Alright, I figured we'd see her, but maybe not other people. Because I think we hear her voice in the trailer. Yeah, but they also used a lot of clips from The Avengers and, and all the other movies and stuff, so... Uh, true. So that's why I don't think we're to see too many of that. We'll just have to see. But I'm excited. I, I kind of hope they do break in the Young Avengers because maybe the African American guy is Eli and we'll get Patriot. I hope it's Eli. God, I love it. His story makes me so sad. It's so good. <laughs> so, next we'll have Thor 2, which I'm so excited for. <laughs> I think out of everything in Phase 2, Thor 2 is the one that I'm like dying to have. If you guys haven't noticed, Hope is a complete Thor fan. Yeah. And then again, it has Tom Hiddleston as well. Yeah. But we lost Josh <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> well, at least we always have Josh Dallas in Once Upon a Time. Actually, I'd rather have him in Thor. I really prefer him playing Vandral to him playing Prince Charming. That's because sometimes you just want to smack Charming. Vandral's my favorite comic book character. Like, while Loki's my favorite in the movies, Vandral's my favorite in the comics. And Josh just captured him perfectly. Pretty much watching his portrayal is like what, what it's like reading the comics. The only thing they kind of left out was his more like nobler, like he had, really does have a core sense of values about being like a true gentleman and stuff like that, but he flirts all the time, so that kind of gets thrown out the window a lot. But, and I really, also, I'm just not a big Zach Levy fan. Like, he's really hit and miss for me. I either really like him or I really don't. I haven't seen him in, in like, a lot of things, so I can't really judge. Uh, uh, I'm so upset by that. <laughs> but then again, this is coming from the person who, for a while, with her celebrity crush, had forgotten that he was in a bunch of other movies that she had already seen. Chris Evans? Yes, Chris Evans. Just make sure Yes, because I would see him in trailers and I'm like, oh my god, he's cute. Who's that? And then forgot about him for a while. Saw him in Push, which is another good movie. And I'm like, oh my god, who is that? Ooh, I have to find out who this is. Completely forget that he's in it when I see Captain America. And that's when I found my crush on him. And then I went back and watched his stuff and it's like, oh yeah, he was in that. It's not a crush, Angel. They have a special award in the Betty Ford Clinic just for you. Oh, gee. Love you. <laughs> I am bummed about the casting change. Like, I'm happy we got Charming in once in a time, but I'd much rather have Josh Dallas than Thor. And then, as we also talked about earlier, the Marvelous Asgardian Lock. Mmm. 
And look, can we talk about Christopher Eccleston being in this movie? I did not recognize him at all. No, they did a great job in his makeup. Like, I could hear it in his voice in the trailer. I was like, oh yeah, that's totally Christopher Eccleston. But he really, pretty much just his eyes, because, like, you know, it's really hard to change someone's eyes. I, I could see it in his eyes that was him, but he's pretty unrecognizable. I know. Like, bravo, makeup artist. I'm actually just really excited to see how big and how many... I think if we're going to see Thanos return, because we saw him at the end of the uh, Avengers, I think it's going to be this is the one. This is the one. The one thing that gave me the most feeling is when he goes to talk to Loki and he says, when you betray me, not if, when. And I'm like, oh God, he's probably right, but... <laughs> I'm wondering how much influence they have in the cinematic universe after the influence of Kid Loki from Journey into Mystery. Because Kid Loki was running during mostly the same time of Thor and the Avengers. Kid Loki in the comics, it gives a very, very sympathetic side to Loki. Because it's actually Loki, if all the evil is not in him, and he's a separate being from his evil self. Right, I heard about that. Yeah, and he's still a trickster and he still gets in the mischief into trouble, but he's not evil. Wasn't he a young Avenger for a while? He no, he's actually oh, he's in the Young Avengers now. I'm not up to date with it. I think he's either tricking the Young Avengers. I've heard two things about it, and I don't know which one's true. That's why I'm going to present both, and if you want to know, just go read Young Avengers. But he's either A, a part of the Young Avengers, and it takes place in the time period of Journey into Mystery, or B, it's actually evil Loki disguising himself as Kid Loki, and he wants Wiccan's power. I've heard both. I don't know which one's true. Maybe once I'm done reading the Losers comics, I'll go and catch up with Young Avengers. I'm wondering if they're going to be trying to push Loki in Thor 2 being more sympathetic like they did. Because, you know, I, I think Kid Loki brought a lot of new fans to Thor. I saw a big influence of new fans, and I've talked to other Thor fans about this. You mean influx? Yes, what, what did I say? Influence. What I meant to say is there's a big influx of Thor fans because of the influence of Kid Loki. That's what I was trying to say. Especially with girls. I've seen a lot of girls read comics for the first time. Well, I think, okay, let me rephrase that. Tom Hiddleston made girls go read comics about Loki. But I'm wondering if they're going to try and push him towards that more sympathetic side and trying to make him become that borderline of a villain and a hero, but in the end he falls to being a villain because Loki never wins. I've noticed from Thor and the Avengers, you feel a lot of sympathy for Loki, even though he's kind of the antagonist at the same time. And Loki's a shit in the comics. If he's anything like Earth's Mightiest Heroes Loki or the Ultimate Spider-Man Loki, I can imagine that he is a sh like a little shit oh man and then when he is girl loki he's a complete bitch <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed loki when he was in control of sif's body because he was awesome as a she there are times where she was scarier than like male loki like when she was a female she was scary <laughs> the, the one thing I'm, I'm not excited about is i've never liked natalie portman as jane which is really hard for me to say because i adore Natalie Portman. The thing is, when I saw Thor, it's my least favorite movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies because of the relationship between Thor and Jane. Like, I felt that it was very rushed and very clunky, I guess. 
And that's the thing. Thor's a very short movie. It's it's not long at all. And all the deleted scenes are so good. There's a ton of deleted scenes that really explain more about everything that's going on. And they have the Warriors 3 better. And they have more scenes between Jane and Thor. And they work better. And I, I hate that about it because Thor's actually like my favorite movie out of all the cinematic universes. But that's just because it has Fandral and Loki in it. And they're my two favorite characters. But I... I don't think that Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth has any chemistry together. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of romantic connection at all. It was probably there, but I didn't really see it. And also, I might be a bit biased because reading the comics, I'm a big fan of Thor and Sif. And that's the thing, like, in Norse mythology, Sif and Thor are married, I think? I think so. So uh, the whole time I was like, why are you with Jane when you should be with Sif? Then, do you think Jane's gonna die from the trailer because she looked like she was in peril? I do not know. I know that she gets put into like a damsel in distress kind of situation. Yeah. I hope we see more Darcy. Darcy was amazing in the first movie. That's another like, reason why Thor is one of my favorite movies because Darcy is just amazing. She's so proud of herself that she tased a god. And Taser Tricks is one of my favorite pairings. That's Darcy and Loki, right? Yep, Darcy and Loki. And see, I see them paired together a lot, like in fan fictions, because, or at least friends in most fan fictions, because they could cause so much trouble together. So, Fandral and Darcy have my favorite like pairing name ever. And what would that be? Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> They're fancy. So then. I do have some hopefulness because Alan Taylor, who's the director of Game of Thrones, is the director. Though I really will miss Kenneth Branagh because I, we owe Kenneth Branagh for Tom Hiddleston. And I also just freaking love Kenneth Branagh. I will always see him as Gilderoy Lockhart. I know! Or, uh, tw- or uh, Miguel. Oh yeah, from Road to El Dorado. Julio Miguel, mighty and powerful guy. Oh god. Hello! Ah! <laughs> I could probably quote most of that movie. That's because that movie is like the most perfect movie of all time. And then again, the whole interaction between Tulio and Miguel. I think originally, I was reading somewhere they had parts where they were calling each other darling and stuff like that. And like they had to take all those out because everybody thought they were dating in like the first run. <laughs> and so in that scene where like, you know, Tulio's leaving, with, the, with Shell, Miguel is actually like all jealous. It, it read as jealousy, not as like, my friend is leaving. Sad news. There is definitely some hint at everything. So, next on the list is your baby. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Angel, I'm so disappointed to you, at you. Bad Captain America fan. Bad. No, for a second, my brain just died on me. Uh, Chris Evans would be disappointed. I know, he probably would be if he knew who I was. Oh no, don't say it like that, I was just kidding. <laughs> oh, Angel, I love you. Aww. Aww, you're my angelfish. Angelfish, squish, squish. <laughs> but yes, Captain America too. I'm excited about Sebastian Stan. <laughs> I mean, we fucking lost him to Broadway and and, and to Captain America 2, and we got pulled, he, got, he was like dropped him once upon a time. Because of Broadway and Captain America, he better damn well be good in this movie because he's my favorite character. 
I cannot wait to see Bucky again because I love Bucky from both the movies and from the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon. And I love him in the comics and really good in the comics as well, especially his struggle after he takes up the Captain America mantle when Steve is killed. Hope actually role plays with Bucky sometimes in our role plays and such an amazing role play buddy. Oh, you're an amazing role play buddy. I love you, my 1950s wife. Inside joke, Angel's my 1950s wife. Yes. The thing I'm, I'm actually also really excited for is when it comes to Bucky. When I saw that Scarlett, jo- Scarlett Johansson is playing a major role in this movie, I'm wondering if they're moving towards the canon where where Natasha and Bucky are actually a couple. Didn't the Winter Soldier teach Natasha like almost everything she knows? Yeah, I guess they kept. Well, like I know they trained together, and I know they were working in Russia together. I don't know because I actually have those comics and I haven't read them yet. I not a chance to and but yes i don't know i do know in the canon they are together and i would love to see that come out because i could just see steve being like wait what you're dating wait what or like the first time they see each other like she punches bucky in the face and he grabs her and just kisses her and steve's just like drops his shield like i don't even know like <laughs> What is this? What? You two know each other? My best friend back from the dead. My best friend is making out with someone on my team. I'm I'm done. Fury, can I go home now? It's probably bad. Also, I'm kind of glad that it's Steve and Natasha working together because this is going to be like, what, the fourth or fifth time that Steve, I mean, that Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson are in a movie together. And that's a very good point. I think that comes... I'm, I'm hoping that comes out a lot in Natasha and Steve's character because they do have that chemistry. And that, that friendship, too. I mean, they're friends by this point when you've done, like, five movies together. There's this one gif out there where they're pretty young still. I think it was when they were filming The Perfect Gore. And they're playing the whole lap hands game thing. Like, you know, where you put your hands on top of someone else's hands and you have to, like, try to slap them. There's this gif out there of them playing it and then Chris Evans ends up acting accidentally hitting his elbow against the window or bar behind him. Aww. Like, they are definitely friends, at least. I know that Fury's gonna have a big, big say in this film. That would make sense. Anatomically, once again, the title refers to the assassin who's fan favorite from the comics, a resurrected and brainwashed version of his best friend, Bucky. Last seen plunging off a train, just as he's given permission, he being Steve. Just as he is given permission to let go of the past and to focus on the modern world, a ghost comes up. Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and Jackson's Nick Fury return in major roles, while Robert Redford joins the squad as shield veteran Alexander Pierce. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this would be a, it's going to be a great character movie for Steve. Yes, I do want to see more of his character, not just because I love the actor, but because I love the character itself. Himself? Nah, whatever. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that they have a really good line from, I think, what's it? it's the president of Marvel that says it. And I think it's a really good way to capture what Steve's going through. It says, Cap cannot travel through time. So while Tony can go home to Malibu and Thor goes to Asgard and Hulk can sort of ride on the rails, Cap was stuck. So Cap does stay with S.H.I.E.L.D. because he has nowhere else to go. But he's not necessarily comfortable there. 
he's still probably struggling with the whole thing part of the 21st century. I don't know. I kind of feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. wanting to observe him or some way keeps reminding him of the past. They probably made up his room to look like the 40s and stuff. So he doesn't get that chance to adapt to his new world. It's going to be interesting. I'm just really excited about seeing Sebastian Stan because he's a big old hottie and J.M.O. is very lucky to date him. Yeah, uh, Sebastian Stan. Are you so pretty? Why is, like, the entire cat attractive? Of everything we've talked about, they're all attractive. I mean, yes. so I would, like, cuddle with Scarlett Johansson and she would give me a hug and, like, break me in half because she's so freaking fit. So, next is the one I know nothing about. Guardians of the Galaxy! Woo! Something that neither of us know anything about. All I know is that it has Lee Pace in it. Lee Pace was Ren and in The Hobbit. He was also in Pushing Daisies. He's been a few other things. It has uh, Zoe Saldana in it. She's Uhara in Star Trek, the new Star Treks. Or, for those of you who have seen The Losers, she plays Aisha, or Aisha. There you go. Dave Bastida is Drax the Destroyer, and he is a famous wrestler. I don't know if they have someone for Rocky Raccoon yet. And then Chris Pratt, who was on Parks and Recreation, plays Star-Lord, who is the leader of Guardians of the Galaxy. And if we don't see Thanos in Thor 2, I think this is where we're going to see him. Because the difference is, is that in Thor 2, they're jumping to realms. So they're actually jumping to other dimensions, is how I kind of think of the realms. And this, they're literally in the universe at another world. So I think this, if we don't see him in Thor 2, we're going to see Thanos in this one. But basically, neither Hope nor I, as we said, know anything about this. I think the only time that I've had experience with seeing Guardians of the Galaxy was in Earth Mightiest Heroes, when they show up at one point. And I really like that episode. I do like how Quint is like, that is a talking tree and a raccoon, right? <laughs> like, I'm not yes. just seeing this. I think it's going to be interesting. To, I, well, I'm more curious about how it plays into the bigger picture, like Avengers 2. Do they come to Earth? That's what I'm more concerned about. I, I don't care if they make Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure it's going to be a great movie. But how does it fit in with the big picture? And why is it in Phase 2? Why not bring in someone earlier? Like, why not do Ant-Man in Phase 2 and do Guardians of the Galaxy in Phase 3? I have no clue. Again, probably because we have nothing, no knowledge of what is going on. I, I do know in the new Marvel now, they just started releasing Guardians of the Galaxy, like a re, a remastered, like a revamped. What's it called when you relaunch it? They do it all the time with, like, Thor and Iron Man. Like a revival? Yes, yeah, something like that. Like, they just started putting out Guardians of the Galaxy it's like a retelling of the old story, but it's like modern day. They have the original 1969 team and then the 2008 team. Oh, apparently in the comics, Iron Man was a member for a while. Yep, I do know that one. But let's see, I think that Thanos will probably most likely be in this. If Thanos doesn't show up in Thor, he is most likely going to show up in Guardians of the Galaxy because Thanos is one of their main arch enemies. And I do think because it's the movie right before Avengers 2 and they've really heavily hinted we're doing Infinity Gauntlet, he's gonna get the Infinity Gauntlet and Guardians of the Galaxy and then in Avengers 2 it's gonna be their problem. 
that would be the most logical since they showed Thanos at the end of the Avengers. Because I, I can't think of anywhere else I'd go with that. Thanos had a hand with the Cosmic Cube. And then there's the Infinity Gauntlet with the Infinity Gems. At Comic-Con 2010, they had the Infinity Gauntlet prop. Ah, I did not know that. Yes, I just looked this up. And the Infinity Gauntlet was briefly shown in Thor, and usually they don't put a focus on anything unless it's important later on, like in shows and films. So we might see that again. We'll see you when Guardians of the Galaxy come out. And then after that, next would be Avengers 2. Yeah, and I wonder if, since you need the Infinity Gem for the Infinity Gauntlet, I wonder if the Avengers, like they do in the comics, end up having to protect the Infinity Gem. Maybe. They go to the Illuminati, at least in the comics, and Iron Man has the gem for faith, and Steve has the gem for time, which I thought was pretty cool. We'll just have to see. I am really excited about Avengers 2, though, because I, I think if everybody is scattered over the movies, it's nice going to see a team up again. Did you hear about the brother-sister team up that Joss Whedon is heavily considering? Oh, the one with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? Yep. Now, it's not confirmed that he wants to write one, which I find is interesting because X-Men is definitely Sony Marvel, while all yeah. is Disney Marvel. But Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are Magneto's kids. That's clearly X-Men territory over there, even though they're Avengers. So I'm wondering if they're trying to work the rights to get, a vi- to get X-Men a part of Avengers. Well, we do know that they're also trying to work like with getting Spider-Man with the Avengers too. In Fantastic Four. Yeah. I know they were saying that things like Daredevil, Punisher, Blade, and Ghost Rider, all their contracts are up again. And so we could grab them and pull them in, but the president of Marvel is saying was they all have potential, but they're not going to say we got it back, so we're going to make those movies. I wouldn't throw out a chance that they won't make cameos maybe at some point. But at this point, I don't think we're going to get those movies. But having Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch opens up the possibility to me that we're going to be pulling in from those others. Because there's essential players in the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man in the Civil War arc. And I've heard mentioned that Avengers 3, at the end of Phase 3, is going to be Civil War, potentially. Yeah, because someone who is a part of this whole program, this whole production thing, is like, you know, Avengers 3 would be a good film for Civil War. I remember sending you that link. But for that, they definitely need Reed, and they definitely need Peter. But both of those are over at Sony Marvel, so I'm wondering if Avengers 2 is just going to be, like, wrapping up Infinity Gauntlet. Because looking at Phase 3, we have Ant-Man. Hank definitely was a part of the clone that Tony and Reed built of Thor, who murdered everybody in freaking Civil War. Wasn't Hank a scroll? Yes, but he still needed to be there physically. Yeah, true. So... Yeah, and having an Ant-Man movie in Phase 3 kind of makes me think of and like them trying to get back Fantastic Four. Because then, weren't you the one that told me that they're doing a, a reboot of Fantastic Four? Yes, and that kind of makes me sad because there goes my whole Steve is actually Johnny thing. <laughs> How do you like Chris Evans more, Steve or as Johnny? I don't know. Like, I like him in... You have to choose... Three, two, one, name one. Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers, definitely. <laughs> I don't know, 
I just, I adore him as Dave. And while Johnny is an amazing character and he's so funny and he has the looks of Steve Rogers, but the personality of Tony Stark, they're both two amazing characters. But I don't know, Chris Evans, definitely more of like, from what I've been able to tell from interviews and stuff, he's definitely more of like that sweetheart. And I also like how the character for Steve. I know, you just love Chris Evans. Like I said, there's a word of the Betty Ford playing this movie. <laughs> I would like to see them go towards Civil War. This is going to sound really bad. I think that'd be a great way to end the Marvel Cinematic Franchise. It probably would be as heartbreaking as it is. Since Civil War, there really hasn't been a ginormous event that cleared the board because everything since then has pretty much referred back to Civil War. In the comics, isn't the Bill pissed at Tony about... Um, not really, because Tony really yeah. amended a lot for it. Uh, there was a while, though, after Siege Asgard was completely destroyed on Earth, and there is a part where Tony and Steve are at each other's faces, and, like, like just arguing about it, and, like, they're still so mad, and then suddenly they both just kind of, like, look over, and Thor is just giving them the bitch face, because his home is, like, burning behind them, and they're like, yeah, we should pick this up later. <laughs> but everything since them has still reflected on Civil War. Because in Civil War, we got the death of the Captain America, which made Ducky take over the mantle. We got Dark Reign, because now that the Avengers were still kind of broken up, Norman Osborn came in, kicked them all out, made the Dark Avengers. After that, we had Siege, because he used his Dark Avengers to attack all of them. After that, we right. had Everything Burns, which kind of wiped the plate with... Uh, no, no, not Everything Burns. After that was Fear Itself. And Fear Itself is when Steve finally took back the mantle of being Captain America, but we quote-unquote lost Bucky again. Quote-unquote, he's back. Um, <laughs> he got shy. Everyone thought he died. He but it's still something that it keeps referring to. And we haven't had a big thing in the comics since then that just kind of completely just rocked the entire thing. I think Fear Itself was supposed to do that. And it didn't. So now, with this whole Marvel Now thing, Marvel Now is really, to me, kind of falling back on the movies a bit. Because every time I read them, I'm seeing a lot of the movie kind of canon in it as well. And same thing with Hawkeye, as much as I love Hawkeye comic. Go read the Hawkeye comic, it's amazing. That's why I think if they're doing Avengers 3, I, I think if they do do a reboot of the Fantastic Four, and they're able to get Peter over, and they're able to get all those rights to do these movies, I really do think that Avengers 3 would be the tell-all, end-all Civil War arc. And then the Marvel fandom dies of cries and feelings. Wouldn't that be a kicker to end the Marvel with death of Captain America? Ah, uh, that would be such an asshole move. And since Joss Whedon is working on this project... <laughs> True point. Joss Whedon is up there with even Moffat of killing your favorite characters and ripping out your heart. I can just see like the very final scene is the one of Tony standing at Steve's grave and like I can see like Bucky standing in the background and all the Avengers and Tony just like breaks down crying and it's like the end and then the post credit scene is Steve coming back and Steve not, actually not being dead. Uh, kind of like a like Reichenbach ending but imagine that and then like they end up cinematic universe oh feels i would be so sad that'd be awesome let's do it <laughs> i would be i kind of want to read civil war but at the same time i've heard so much stuff about it that i'm like no i don't like having my heart ripped out thank you all i'm just gonna read my a babies versus x babies you like the movie titanic yeah i do i do it's kind of like that you're like this is really great but i'm crying 
It's that kind of feeling. So basically, anytime you watch things like Titanic or Doctor Who or anything on BBC. Yeah, it doesn't get much sadder than I would say Doctor Who. Because at the same time, only Bill Foster is the only one that you actually really see die. Uh, it's not like Kingdom Come. Jesus Christ. Have you ever read Kingdom Come in DC, in the DC Universe? No, I'm not big into DC Universe. If you ever read DC, read Kingdom Come. Because for one, Alex Ross does the art, and all the panels are watercolored. They're absolutely gorgeous. Alex Ross is one of the greatest comic book artists of, of both Marvel and DC. Like, his art's just stunning. Think about Kingdom Come. I'm gonna give a spoiler, I'm just warning people now. Okay. It's in an alternate universe, so that's a bit in the future, so all the art, the heroes that you know, like Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Superman, are retired. And it actually kind of starts off like Civil War in a way. So you have all these hotshot young new superheroes, and they attack someone, and he ex- like explodes in this like nuclear blast, kind of like in Civil War. Uh-huh. And it literally takes out the Midwest. Like, it's all gone. There's no food. The bread basket is blown off the map. It forces all the old veteran superheroes to come out of retirement. The whole the reason it's called Kingdom Come is because the entire time there's this preacher. There's this uh is he a preacher? I think he's a preacher. He's a preacher. And he's visited by his name Spectre, I think it is. He's visited by the Spectre. It's been a while since I read Kingdom Come. And I'm not as well versed in DC as I am in Marvel. He's telling him this prophecy about how he's the one, this little preacher guy, is going to be the one to stop the gods and stop the end of the war world. And he's like, I, I don't understand. So the specter is taking him and wa- letting him watch from afar how everything's playing out. And so what happens is because of what happened with the hotshot young heroes, the superheroes are split about what to do with them. The villains are actually the smart ones and just staying completely the fuck out of it. <laughs> They, they, you even see them all have a meeting. They're like, yeah, we need to not be in this. But what happens is they get Shazam and like kind of brainwash him to fight against Superman. And they end up having this ginormous big fight between each other, a big old war. And it scares the humans so much that they literally drop a nuke on them. Dang. And uh, only a few of the people that are spared, like Green Lantern's able to put up a shield around some of them. But there's just this one tragic scene because Superman being Superman survives it. And so when the smoke clears from the nuke, he's like screaming in agony. And everyone around him, all the superheroes, are skeletons. Oh, ow. And the one that gets me the most is a green arrow holding his wife, Black Canary. And they're both skeletons. And it literally wipes out like two-thirds of the DC universe. Oh, you just ripped my heart out. You just ripped my heart out. Congratulations. You're welcome. Like, it's... it's Kingdom Come is not one to deal with. I mean, it's it's so good. It, put it this way, Civil War is not as heartbreaking as Kingdom Come, and I I love Kingdom Come. It's one of my. It's probably my favorite book out of DC. I will take a look then. Probably if you look through some of Alex Ross's work, you would recognize it. Cause I mean, you know that one picture of the Joker and Harley's in his arm and, and she's leaning back against him. I think so. That's Alex Ross. His work is just gorgeous, and if anything, just read Kingdom Come for the beautiful art. But anyway, the little preacher guy at the end, um, uh, Superman is pissed because all his friends just blew up. So he goes to the UN, and he's literally about to murder like all the world leaders and pretty much start a war, war among the worlds. 
and the little preacher man whose one job is to tell Superman to stand down and he doesn't. And Superman finally calms down and they agree to make superheroes themselves kind of like their own quote unquote nation where they have a representation in the UN and that way they can help dictate it. And at the end, uh, Superman knocks up Wonder Woman. That's Kingdom Come. Okay. <laughs> oh, one thing that I forgot to mention about Captain America too. Commander Rogers uniform. Oh, I know. You're excited about that. I actually prefer that uniform over the Captain America uniform, odd as it is. No, I agree. I actually really like the Captain Rogers uniform over that one, too. But I don't know. I do like the movie version of the uniform compared to the comic version of the uniform for the Captain America one, that is. Gale male, no. What? Like, you've seen pictures of Captain America's uniform in the comics, right? It's like that chain scale male sort of stuff and it's like no yeah I, ju- I just didn't hear what you said what did you say i said scale mail or whatever it is scale mail i thought you said gay mail no. and i was like i was like what did gay males have to do about anything no well at least what you were talking at, at the moment gay mail does actually have a lot to do with my life especially when shipping comes along but i much prefer the movie uniform to the comic uniform i think we touched on that in one of our role plays where tony is like what the heck are you wearing you know i believe i think you're actually right about that yeah that's that's everything i had and i don't really have anything else to add i know things that's up in the works we kind of mentioned it before start to strange phase three black panther from stage three probably not going to get hold i think they might be working on a miss marvel movie <sighs> i would actually really like that a lot how can people find you angel online oh uh, wait what how can people find you, like your Tumblr? It is not dash that dash kind of doctor dot tumblr dot com. And it's supposed to be ironic because I'm a psychology student and Bruce was saying that he's not that kind of doctor as in a therapist. I thought it was funny. I helped you <laughs> pick it out. Yes. It's shaped by good eye help. Well, thank you so much for being on my show, Angel. Remember the days that I used to have one-hour podcasts? I think those are gone for a while now. Well, I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> there really is. As long as it's quality, that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Angel. Yes, and thank you for letting me be part of this podcast. You're welcome back anytime. I mean, we've already talked about Once Upon a Time. I, I definitely would love to do a Once Upon a Time with you at some point. <laughs> Our live vlog. <laughs> Our live vlogs are so much fun. Thank you everyone for listening to my show. My name is Hope Monax. I am your host of Hope of All Trades. We are part of the Two True Freaks Networks. If you want to help us out and you like what I say, go to iTunes and just make sure you review and rate us and tell other people if their comments were helpful. It helps us move up through the lines and it really, really does help us out, especially with our new feed because we have to resubscribe everybody. So thank you guys for listening so much and thank you again, Angel. I adore you. Bye! Bye, guys! Did you know that you can become a sponsor for any of our shows? What you need to do is go to the website at twotruefreaks.com. Then you click on the donate button and you can leave any donation of your choice, whether it's $2 or a bajillion dollars. If you want, you'll also have a chance to leave a message, but that's up to you. But please make sure you let us know which show you're leaving a donation for. And that way on our next episode, we can give you our thanks. The other way to make a donation is to go to the Amazon logo on our website before you make any Amazon purchase. When you click on it, take a straight to Amazon and then you can buy whatever you want. 
It's going to be no extra charge to you, but we will get a portion of it, and it really goes a long way, and we're very thankful for it. So go make a donation today at 2TrueFreaks.com. picture of natasha i just sent you that's what i was talking about the short buzz what is that hair what is oh, that look at look at the third picture and look at how her ass is shaped it looks like a ball sack <laughs> oh my God. she has ball sack butt okay but yes I, I hope they never go to this and she has a spider on her boobie in that first picture uh yes yeah, so let's not let's hope they never go to that hairstyle hmm.